Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is the amazing multi-talented Lou Jasmine. She's a director and photographer with a background in television and she's got some excellent things to say. She's been a creative now for quite a few years and it's really nice to hear how she got into you know, photography and, and filmmaking uh, and her concepts around creating memories in physical format, which is quite interesting to hear. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Family and Friends with director and photographer Lou Jasmine. Thanks for coming down, Lou. Thank you for having me, Max. Nice to finally meet you. <laughs> yeah. In person, actually. Um, <laughs> you heard lots about me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we've got loads of mutual friends. Yes. You know Rob Jones? Yes, Rob. Him, love Rob. Me and him are good buddies. Yeah. Did He's, you watch our Insta live? Uh, no. What was we that? We did an Insta live with Urban Outfitters oh, right. where he asked me loads of questions about photography and then we uh, talked about right. our photography and that. Oh, nice one. No, I must have missed that one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Can I still find it? Mm, we didn't I didn't I, I didn't know how to save it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Never mind so then. I think it's kind of like disappeared into the ether. Yeah. Yeah. So I was... oh, He's he's coming in on Thursday actually to uh, have a Yay. little chat. And then we're gonna grab some lunch. But Amazing. um yeah, what have you been up to? Um I've actually been really busy this whole lockdown. Um so during the lockdown I was directing Jada G's music video for her latest track, Both of Us. Um, which was a lot of fun, hard at times and quite strange. What was, the con- what was the concept? So the, con- the original concept was actually a tour video. So we were touring Europe and America mm-hmm. um, and it was going to be this kind of like real homemade video uh, with mixed media, DV cam as well as, you know, HD footage um, with a lot of the HD footage being from her live shows and the DV cam, or, you know, when we're like out and about, we're yeah. chilling in the Airbnb and all, you know, the kind of backstage type stuff. One of your kind of preferred like, mediums, isn't it? Yes. Those kind of handheld camcorders yeah. and yeah. that kind of home movie, that yeah. introspective kind of definitely, hold it in your hand definitely. sort of vibe. Definitely, that's definitely my, um, is it because it's personal. Yeah. I think all my work is personal. Um, I don't, know how to not make it feel personal as well because like the way I the way I see art or anything that for me I produce it's always about a feeling and I always go on a feeling Mm -hmm. and so like nostalgia is something that like is almost like a big part of my life and always has been since I was a kid like for instance the t-shirt I'm wearing now I've had since I was four years old what yeah how big was a four-year-old? It was like down, it was like down here. It was like down to my ankle. That's cool. How have my... you kept it so clean? It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, I had to yeah. put this on fresh this morning. It's covered in food. Yeah, one of my clothes. Like yeah, this was my. It was my cousins, and then they gave it to me, what? and then I've had it. So like, I'm really, I really love like yeah, 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 yeah. that feeling of nostalgia. You're things quite that, a sentimental person I, um, as well. Things that can like hark back to a time, even if it was yesterday, but something that just like makes you just yeah makes you just feel a certain way mm-hmm. about a memory yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. about memories and that's essentially what we do you know as photographers image makers and directors and um filmmakers and stuff is we are creating these memories for people um whether it's you know um fiction or, or real it's you know it's always in some way going to give someone a feeling of something and i think that's like a really privileged 
um, thing to do. Absolutely, I've never heard it. Yeah, I've never heard it described like that. But nice, no, it's, it's a nice way of putting it. Actually, <laughs> Thanks, I quite like it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Jada's video, the original premise was this, yeah, home movie style tour video, um, <clears throat> and then obviously, you know, give because of lockdown, we did about two shows: one in Paris, one in London, and then it got cut. Um, COVID happened, mm. so you know, it spent quite a bit of time trying to hash out how it would what it could look like um and to be honest i i took some space from it i think we all did jada took some space from it the, the label did i did my editor did you know i think we all because everyone no one knew what the hell was going on course, you know yeah so we took a bit of space from it and then you know the we agreed with the label they still wanted the same delivery date because actually People need a bit of uplifting. Yeah. So, um, More than ever now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And so the track is so uplifting as well. So it's like, great, how can we still create that homemade vibe given the fact that we are in lockdown? Mm-hmm. Um, and my editor was really great. He, because um, I was shielding, so I couldn't go and shoot it, mm. um, which was the original plan that I was just going to go and sh- I would just shoot it with Jada and stuff. Because me and her are really good friends. So... We've already got that relationship. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I was shielding, it just wasn't, it wasn't kind of safe for me. Sure. And he lived around the corner from hers. <clears throat> so I basically was directing from afar, wrote a really detailed brief, really detailed shot list, styled it as well um, in terms of what she'd be wearing and which scenes and all the rest of it. And then, you know, um, okayed it with her and the team and label and everything and then yeah so it was a new experience in having to direct from afar yeah um for sure but so were they kind of sending you bits and bobs throughout the day or was it yeah, kind of at the end send, of the day they just send you some screens they sent me or? some stuff throughout the day yeah. just kind of um so what we, okay yeah, we did, a couple bits right yeah. and we did some location stuff so i i did you know very clearly mapped out okay in this location this is what will be happening mm-hmm. in that location that's what will be happening and that um and and also jade is really great as well she's got great energy um and so i gave her some pointers and I gave my editor some pointers in terms of like working with her and how she can work with him. And, it, you know, and they, they both did a fantastic job and I, and I was really, really happy. Amazing. Um, we got lots and lots and lots of footage. And then I also had the footage from some of the, the gigs that I had shot. You actually managed to get to, yeah. Yeah, so the, they intercut quite nicely. How many um, were you supposed to do? Oh, gosh, how many shows was it now? I think maybe six. Okay, so what was that, like a couple of weeks? So that would have been, so it would have, we had, it was over the course of, Two and a half months. All oh, right. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So we were doing, there was various ones in Europe. Then we would have done two weeks in LA. Oh, yeah, mate. in the States. So we, done, <laughs> we would have done Coachella. Really? Yeah, we would have done Coachella. And then we were out must there. have been a little bit gutted when... Yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I've moved on. I've moved on. I've moved on. <laughs> wasn't meant to be. <laughs> oh, I was also supposed to be out there as part of my birthday as well. Because my oh, birthday was during lockdown. No, no, <laughs> oh, no. What did you do for your birthday instead? So instead, I um, I baked a cake. I was with my parents mm-hmm. and they cooked me a roast because the roast is like my favourite dinner, favourite oh, nice. yeah, meal. <laughs> and then I had, I basically was on house party for about eight hours with lots of different friends People and parties in and, and, yeah, and in yeah, and out. Yeah. It, was, it was mad and, and, and yeah, lots of drinks and stuff. And so I was on there till like 3am 
And I was like, right, guys, I actually mm. need to go. <laughs> I was like, I'm really, it's, and it's so exhausting. It is. It's really exhausting. Well, if you've got fresh people coming in, they come with a big energy and then yeah. you're like, whoa, right. and then it yeah. settles down and then someone else comes in. Right. And then I was also getting FaceTimes as well. Oh, and mate. I was like, look, can you just jump on here? And yeah. yeah. And then random people were popping in and out. And so it must have been quite surreal, but kind of fun. Yeah, like, I just I decided that I mean you know I love my birthday and mm. I'm one of those people who who loves celebrating their birthdays. So you're gonna have a good time. I'm gonna have like, a good time regardless of yeah. what I do. So I just had that mentality. I had my outfit, my birthday outfit on, and everything, nice. my hair done, and yeah, yeah. you know, so had the tunes playing as well. Sun <laughs> 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 <on> house party. <laughs> That's it. Sounds like you had fun. Yeah. So yeah, it was really great. Um, but yeah, so work. You know, work was busy. We're doing the edit along you know james video with the edit and i literally just did zoom meetings with the editor like mm-hmm. all day okay move that there that scene goes here this goes editing there. via zoom editing via zoom yeah How screen sharing do you know what because i'd done it before with um when i did the we transfer films last mm. year because my editor was based in brighton okay so i had already had an experience of screen sharing and actually it's all right yeah, yeah it is i mean yeah it's quite intense but i'm really particular mm. and so I know what I want and where things need to go and yeah sure the, and also it's about that feeling as yeah, well that yeah. sometimes that you can't quite communicate if you're writing on email or even sending a voice note or anything and um we had you so kind of need to be there in some way kind of need to yeah. be, do you need to be there and Absolutely. I love working with editors as well I love being able to sit in mm-hmm. and work with an editor do you edit yourself as well I can do I don't particularly like it okay <laughs> <laughs> I just find it really because I'm I'm a little bit ADHD, so sat there. It just takes just, a while because you kind of get, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if it can just take a while yeah, to yeah, do yeah. those things, and my attention span does like wonder mm. okay. quite a lot. If I'm having to sit and like be really focused on just editing, yeah, you're not going to enjoy it that much, really. No, I can like you know I can if I had to whip up like a real quick mm-hmm. something, I could do that. But in terms of editing a music video, no, no. Yeah, I mean, a few of the directors we've had in, they've kind of said that their preferred method is to shoot things, do a rough cut themselves, and then sort of take yeah. it to edit and tidy it up and do all the sort of prettying a Ex- bit later. Exactly, because I can't do all the pretty stuff. No. And yeah, so I can do all the placements, I can do all the shots I like in mm. there, yeah. and then I won't need to do all the, yeah, the yeah, fun yeah. stuff. The technical, the technical kind of finishing, because yeah. that's not as fun. The fun stuff's first going through the footage, Selecting the bits that yeah. you love and putting it in and just trying shots yeah. together. That's the fun part. That is. You're like, oh, yeah. oh look at that. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That was- <laughs> after, after the first two hours, it just yeah. goes downhill. Because really <laughs> you're like, oh. Because oh. you've seen the same shot like 15 mm-hmm. times. And you're like, don't we have that shot where you're like, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Jada's video with us, I um, was doing the remote editing with my with my editor, mm-hmm. which was a new way of working, but also a really efficient way of working. And, you know, we produced the work that we did, which I'm not so happy about. Mm. Um, and then there was probably about a day of, of a lull. And then, you know, then it was the, the BLM movement um, kind of kicked off. And with that kicked off a whole heap of obviously emotions, um, and conversations as well that was happening some good some you know quite difficult as well um but that was a real big kind of change i saw a real big change kind of happening amongst a lot of people 
and he meant then that I obviously didn't, didn't really get much of a rest sure. or a break at all. Um, and that managing that was quite difficult, I'll be honest, because there is the feeling of wanting to contribute to the conversation, but also trying to protect your own mental health and not always being... Not like investing too much of your mental exactly, health in, into... Exactly, yeah, yeah. Because it's traumatic, you know, the experience, the experience of watching... So, I mean, not that I did watch it, but knowing that someone has been murdered yeah. <clears throat> simply because of the color of their skin is, you know, is traumatic. The conversations around it is, are traumatic as well. And the it, conversation was also quite vicious in, in points, for the most part, hugely kind of, you know, a positive within, you know, like, especially in, in London and East London. Mm. Like it was really unified response, which yeah. was, you know, a, a positive to take from, you know, the whole situation. Yeah, it was a unified response for sure, but I just felt uh, collectively mm. amongst black people, we were just tired now. Yeah. That was the feeling of... Yeah. Again. Uh, again. Mm. And we are actually done. And yeah. this is no... We can't We can't even be part of the conversation because you know what? It's not even our problem. No. At all. So there was very much that that was kind of going on. And then the trying to strike the balance between yeah wanting to be part of the, co the conversation contributing some way to, to bettering it or feeling useful um and then also just wanting to just get mental and emotional and physical rest really yeah. um but what has been really quite positive that's kind of been born out of that is actually from that whole time and um those conversations is that a lot of people have been messaging me on Instagram just saying like how they have always found my work to be really uplifting yeah, because yeah, it yeah. always showcases black people in a really uplifting way. And I, absolutely, yeah. and it's not something that I, you know, I wasn't like I'm only shooting black people or I'm always want to, to be in this particular yeah. way. It's just how I want black people to be seen it's just a nice attribute to your work exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it so, must have been nice for someone to actually it, you, had you considered that before really or i hadn't i uh, not not properly obviously you know there are certain projects that i've done before where i've you know been like yes this really really fits in line with my ideas of representation mm -hmm. because i have representation has been so important to me since i you know entered into the industry and from working, I used to work in television and it was always very apparent that representation, it was always going to be this fight, constant fight for representation. And working for myself and working on my own projects and then being asked to work on various projects by, you know, all the amazing brands I've worked with and having control also of the crews that I've been able to have mostly work with women or mm -hmm. people of colour. And, you know, my crews are usually quite balanced in terms of that. Um is realizing it kind of has come come slightly full circle and that oh actually i've my head's been in it so much yeah. that i hadn't even realized even i've been realize, achieving uh, the thing yeah. you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that and so when i got though i was getting those messages just saying like you know thank you so much and we really love like hearing you talk about what you do because i don't really like talking on instagram and <clears throat> and all that and stuff yeah, but yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I came to the realization that this was actually helping a lot of people. And I didn't yeah, really yeah, yeah. realize that actually me do, saying that I do what I do is representation and course, is yeah. inspiring. So, so you kind of figured out that you were actually <laughs> contributing more than you maybe thought you were. Much more than I thought I yeah, was, yeah. which was, which is great. And it's given me a definitely a whole new fire in my belly for sure. And, you know, I've been really busy over the last few weeks uh, pitching on various projects and all of which have been greenlit, <laughs> which is great. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> you'll be busy for the next so, uh, few yeah, weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, so yeah. So that's that's that that is really great, and um, and I'm yeah, I'm I'm quite proud. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> nice, mate. So, what, what's the, what's been happening in the last like couple of weeks then? So, um, <clears throat> I I pitched on um, a music video for Poppy Judah. Really? Uh, yep. And um, that got greenlit. Oh, mate. Well, within amazing. two hours. Not no. Within <laughs> two hours. Within twenty five minutes of sending the pitch. What? <laughs> yeah. What was the concept? The concept for the video, well, the song is Watermelon Man, which is Herbie Hancock's mm-hmm. um, original. Um, and so she has done a brilliant cover of this with with lyrics. Um, and she looked real into the history, or she already knew the history of the term Watermelon Man and why watermelons were used or, you know, still can be used as a racial slur to black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the lyrics are around that and about the struggle, but also about hope and there are going to be better days for sure. So the video is, um, we, you know, we, we're going to be paying, we pay attention or to what's currently happening in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, with the news reports, with the protests and the revolution, um, so there'll be elements of that. There will be elements of um, black struggle mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and then there, but there will also be a huge part of it is showing how diverse black people are. Yeah. Because we don't really get to see that many different types of black people mm. um, in media, and so it's constantly pushing this narrative that we are we can all look very different but all still be black we can mm-hmm. all be different shades and all be you know different heights and weights and dress differently and everything but we we all are are black and we share mm-hmm. that that common um that amazing kind of common culture mm-hmm. so there is yeah there's going to be some all those things that are all going to kind of form together in a in pool with portraiture and dance and nice yeah so sounds really cool <laughs> yeah thanks when are you looking at, when are you going into production I'm waiting for the label to give us a delivery date, actually. Okay. So it's one of those ones where they're like, it's a really quick turnaround. We need ASAP. And, <laughs> and then they like, don't okay. email you back for two weeks. You're like, yeah, you're like, <laughs> okay, cool. So they're like, great, this is great. We love we love the idea. We're ready to go. Do you want to let us know a delivery date? Perhaps. <laughs> 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 Just oh, maybe. Man. Yeah. So wait, currently waiting to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, have you worked with Poppy before? Or? Uh, we, we're actually, we've, we've got the same friends, lots of the same friends. Okay. Um, so we've, I've shot her a couple of times at Dimensions. Mm. Um, but uh, the, yeah, so we know, we, yeah, we share the same yeah. circle of friends. So my, two of my really good friends um, are currently living with her as well at the mm. moment. Um, so yeah, it's quite, it's a nice family. It's just one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a real great family vibe. Like the, the, you know, the team on it, we all know each other mm. really well. So it's like, I'm basically, I'm doing this this video with my best friends. Oh man, that's going to be so, so much fun. Yeah, so. Where are you shooting it? Um, it will be between South and East London, okay. probably. Um, well, yeah, so because we haven't gone into production just yet, it's, um, we're still in that kind of stage of, you know kind of planning but not quite planning just mm-hmm. yet i'm just waiting to get the so i can just i just have to i can't work 
I have to work backwards from a date. Yeah. You know, um, because we have to cast it as well. We've got our dancer. He's a go. Because he, again, he's our friend. Mm-hmm. And that. So. <laughs> Full crew. Yeah. Yes, mate. Yeah. That's going to be a good rap party then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what though? Actually, I find that when you do things like this and you work with your friends, we don't actually do rap parties. Because you can't spend all day with each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just, yeah I, we, we don't really do rap parties either. I don't know. We're all just so fucking busy. This is it. And like, that's a shame because actually rap parties, that's the time where you get to really celebrate the work yeah. that you've done. And like properly get to know people who you, you might, might you've not. been working with a lot. Yeah. You know them professionally pretty well, but you haven't actually got to yeah. know, know them. Exactly. So we, yeah, we've got one. We've got one on a burner. We did a film at the start of this year. It was like um, it turned. It's supposed to be twenty minutes, and now it's turned into a feature-length documentary. Oh my god! Amazing. On um, mixologists and Patron Tequila. Fantastic. Oh yes, yeah, I did. I remember yeah. when Dave was telling me about yeah. this actually. Yeah. So yeah. it's really fun. But we're we've delivered the film, but we're still waiting on like final sign-off and just general sort of plagues to stop mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and then once yeah once we get that we can officially have a rat party like amazing but who knows when that will be but yeah, it's okay how like, many no people can you actually have in close proximity well, this is it like yeah we'll just have to try and find a beer garden somewhere that doesn't have any people in it and space everyone out or, or in the yard just here we could do yeah yeah could we put up some bunting set, set up a little bar in here or something yeah maybe I think, I think it's a vibe. Yeah. We did it on like a Sunday as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're actually, we want to have a barbecue out here at some point. We want to get one of those big, um, you know, it's like a sort of steel drum yeah, I know the cut ones. in half. Um, we want to set one up out there and just cook loads of chicken. That sounds fantastic. Pretty good. Please let me know <laughs> yeah. when that is happening. I'll give you a shout out. Yeah, you only <laughs> yeah. live out the road. So. Yeah. So in terms of um, starting off in the industry, mm-hmm. What's your kind of like personal history? You told me you're from London earlier. Yep. So you're like born and raised in London. Um, did you go to university? I did. Um, I only went to Kingston, so not too far out of London. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kept it quite... Yeah, I've got a few friends, quite a few friends yeah. who went to Kingston. Yeah, yeah it was... How did you find it then? Because I've, I've heard lots of mixed things in terms of going to university, doing what we do. Mm. Some people say, oh, it's great. I've made loads of connections. Other people say it was a complete waste of my time. I think, I think it really just, I think it just, it does depend on what type of skill set you have and where you want to be and how you want to go about it. So I think if you're going to go to uni, what I think go to uni regardless, I think everyone should go to university because university gives you access to groups of people that you may never meet if you stay in the town that you worked in, in or the, sorry, the town that you lived in, or if you stayed, yeah, you know, in your circles. And uni really does open your mind and your whole community opens out as well. And you'll mm-hmm. do things that, you know, you probably didn't, you thought you wouldn't be interested in. Yeah. And you'll meet people that Just you de- thought- Developing as a person. Completely, a bit, yeah. yeah. And- <clears throat> That is invaluable. And you don't actually learn that really anywhere else, especially at that age. You don't get an opportunity to. So I say, don't worry about the whole, you know, uni fees and all that stuff. It, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is that's the reality of it. Okay. You've got this debt. Who cares? Yeah. 
Like, honestly. it's not like debt debt. It's not it, debt. No yeah. one's going to be knocking your door down. <laughs> no. You could disappear and no one will still knock your door. Like, it still wouldn't even be... It's not... It's a thing that it just exists mm-hmm. or whatever, okay? So just don't get hung up on that. Get hung up on what the culture of your university is like and what the opportunities coming from that university is like. And I think that's something that I probably would have benefited from someone telling me that in terms of like the culture Mm -hmm. of the university not necessarily just about the course but what they offer their students in terms of yeah like nightlife and extracurricular kind of extracurricular things how much they will push their students into doing the thing that they want to do or have an interest in um and so i did film and drama at kingston and I, it was okay. Yeah. Is what I would say. I would say it was okay. The drama, I, my whole life, I was very much into drama. I was very much into acting. Went to National Youth Theatre. I did lots of extracurricular drama activities and everything. Um, but my tutors had always said to me, you know, you love moving image. You love film so much. You should really go to uni before you go to drama school. And if you still love drama after university, then go to drama school. Okay. Lo and behold, after my first year, I was like, I'm going to minor in drama and major in film. There you go. Um, what made you kind of I didn't up like really, that? I just, I had, I didn't understand that there is a very, this is going to sound quite rude and I don't mean it to be, but like at that age, I hadn't really spent very much time with people who weren't from London. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have very much in common with a lot of people when they were talking about their farms. No. <laughs> yeah, farms in Kingston. Like, well, they were, like, you know, like they were from some random yeah, yeah, town yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. I never heard of whatever. And of course, there was a lot of people who could bond over that type of upbringing and culture. And there was probably one other person who was from a big city. Really, in my drama I, class. Really, I wouldn't <laughs> think that at all. And so I just suddenly felt really like I just couldn't. I just couldn't connect no. with any, with many of these people. Like obviously, and if you're doing people, something like drama, that's crucial, right? Right, and and also all the drama stuff that I'd done before hadn't felt <laughs> very like drama. You know, it was it, suddenly I was in a class of people who were just really tumbling over each other to get to be the center of the stage and attention. Mm. And in in this way, that was really I just found the whole thing really confusing. Yeah, and. I actually I started to really understand what people said when they're like, "Oh, you do drama, then you know mm. you're one of those." And I was like, "Oh, this." You get is... labelled as a drama type. Yeah, and I never really understood what that meant. And then I saw those people, and I was like, "But that's just not me." No. At all, like I'm really outgoing and really confident, but you don't want it... to be the centre of attention. I mean, I, I can deal with it, but if I'm yeah. not going to fight for it. No, 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 exactly. That's what I meant, yeah, yeah, I'm never going to fight for this. You're not particular... trying for it, yeah. right? Exactly. And so I just found myself just kind of kicking back really mm. and chilling and you just got a bit disenfranchised yeah like yeah i really really did and i um and i actually was really i learned a lot about film theory uh, we made a film in my first year but i learned a lot about film theory and actually like i really enjoyed learning that i learned i really enjoyed learning about social political economic context of movies and mm. studying films from around the world and you know like french mo- uh, cinema and um you know latin cinema and uh, gender representation and what you know all of those things what you know all those things within art and what that means 
Um, I really, really loved it. I loved learning about different framings and yeah. what it means if you, you your framing's this or if it's medium short, if it's a low angle, you know, all that stuff. I, just, I, re- I, just, I, did, I really, really loved it. I would have liked to have put it into practice a lot more because we didn't really get an opportunity to I've do heard, that. Yeah, when people study kind of film, they do miss yeah. that practical element of actually right. getting your hands on camera or exactly you, you do like script writing yeah stuff. we do elements have a of script writing and... yeah but again it's because it's you know it's like a module mm. so it's not really it's like a couple of months worth of yeah it's you know you don't you i feel like with something like script writing which i had done when i was in school and college actually um you know but i did that throughout the whole year mm. and you need that time yeah. to develop those skills, um, you know, and practice as well. You practice the things that you're writing, you act them out and yeah. stuff, and then you see why and that won't like work. Finishing projects is so crucial to any sort of like development. Exactly, yeah. 100%. And I think with you, with universities, I think if you're going to go to university, if you want to be a filmmaker, go to university, but go to a university where you are going to be able to be hands-on and if you're not going to be able to be hands-on but you do have a real interest in film theory and I think it's really important to have an interest in film theory then get yourself in with a production company with somewhere where you can get an internship which is a lot easier now because of social media you know Facebook started when I went to uni yeah Yeah, and it's so much easier so I definitely that would be my advice I think for going into the industry is um is Study whatever you want to study, for sure. You don't have to study filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You don't have to study direct, you know, directing or go to National Film Television School. Yeah. It helps, but you don't have to. Um, but try and get an in with as many companies as you can, running and understanding the roles within the industry because that's something yeah. no one actually teaches you. No uh-huh. one teaches you the roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you come out of uni and be like, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> You show up on set, you're like, whoa, fuck like, all these people. What is this? What, the, what do you do? You're a script supervisor. What is a script? Who? Sorry, this is a what, what now? Yeah, it's, there's a whole, just look at a credits list. Mm, <laughs> yeah, know? it's endless. Any film, and I would say research all of those roles. And learning them on set is pretty, well, it's, it's, I'd say it's quite faster in terms of, I mean, we had Josh in here earlier, um, mm. Josh Cohen, and he was just saying, for people who are thinking about considering coming into this industry, just spend time on set. Yeah. Like it's, it is crucial. And it's- be keen as well. We've all seen people on, like who are you know runners or juniors and they're just not really invested in it. They're giving it a go. Yeah. But, but they're not. They're not really <laughs> no. applying themselves. And the thing is as well, I think you have to be aware that it's not glamorous. It's not pretty. Mm. The hours are long. There's a lot of waiting around, emptying bins, making coffees. There's a lot of anxiety. Lots of anxiety. A lot of taking people, from chaperoning. Mm-hmm. Try If you can get a driver's license, that's key. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and just be be happy to be helpful as well. You know, you're going to, you're going to be asked to do some real just shitty jobs, like emptying a dishwasher. Mm going to Sainsbury's and getting snacks for people like yeah, yeah, yeah that is the thing that you are going to have to do but that's the kind of stuff that will just kind of sweep away any ego that you have which 100%. is kind of a good thing it is a good thing it really yeah. is because you notice the people who didn't do those jobs 
And when they're on set and they've jumped in and, you know, they're the camera people, or you know, they're the director, you see how they act towards other people. And I'll be honest, they're not very nice. Nah. And you can tell. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah, they're yeah. not really nice people to be around. They're quite difficult. They don't have, they're not very personable. Mm, you know, dismissive. Very dismissive. Distant. 100%. I think it's important to understand everyone's role mm-hmm. on a set. Even if you don't necessarily know how to do that role, I think it's really important to take an, in, take an yeah. interest in every single person, regardless of what they do. And something that I'm really proud of is that, you know, I've had such great feedback from people who work with me that are always like, oh my gosh, you're just so nice. And mm. I was like, am I not supposed to be? <laughs> they're on set. It's supposed to be scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's to be like, who are you? Don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my latte. Just give me my coffee. <laughs> Were you a runner at some point? How did you get into... Um, well, I mean... Well, we got up to university so yeah, far. Yeah, so I left uni and I left uni during the economic downturn. Fun. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> so 20, 2009, I left university. Uh, so that was like okay. the real crunch. The yeah, that crunch. was 2008, 2000. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like, yeah, that the was big done. one. That was the big one. The yeah. one where like students were like... That was like the Gordon Brown one. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, dark times, guys. Dark, dark times. times guys. Such dark times. Pre-Instagram days. <laughs> the yeah. dark ages. We just had to suffer in silence. Yeah. Going to school, not what's going, not knowing what's going on. There's like an angry Scottish guy on the news telling us everything's fucked. Good times, man. Yeah. Do a little rant on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't people, mean to rant, but... When people used to actually write on everyone's walls <laughs> back oh, in the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was it. And then I... Um, Someone had told me, I think, about like Mandy.com. Mandy. Yes, the yeah. job site. It's yeah. like a job site, yeah. But that's a lot of the stuff that's on there is kind of like free work or whatever. I necessarily recommend it now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few. There's another one oh, I used to use before I started working here. I, I had a few interviews, which was quite good. Uh, I can't remember the name now. Oh. So never mind. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Max. I know. I know. It's a really great be... site that I got a job from, but I can't tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I can't um, remember the name of it now. But it was very similar. to It's basically the exact same thing right. as Mandy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, um, yeah. You, you found something on there. So you? I did. So I found... Um, it's good for like research jobs. and Yeah. You but, get, but it's not full time. No, nothing's no. full time. So I did... Um, I worked in like quite a few short films oh, yeah. as a runner kind of. And then I saw a job go up for a runner at a post-production house in Bloomsbury and I kind of went for it I did a day with them and then they said that actually they think I'm like really great and super competent and the librarian is leaving so would I be interested in doing the library taking over the library and so I said oh great okay um and this was when you know we we shot on tapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tape, mate, those tape yeah. libraries. Are that was nuts. tape. That was tape library. Yeah, yeah and had, it was. We had a vault at Sky. It's literally wow. just a massive warehouse full of those things that you twist and the, yeah, the yeah. walls move. I've, seen, I've, seen, no, I've seen that. I've been. I've been there. Have before. you? Yeah, I have. No way. And um, I went on like a little tour thing. This In was uh, just, Brentford. Yeah. 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 Um, I was there recently as well. Actually, I did a talk on um representation nice. in the media yeah um so i was there last because they've got a brand new campus now October. everything's like silver it's and shiny super nice it's cool, isn't it? and they've got the oh, God, where was they've got like you know it's like a big wave thing that just it's all to do with like sky being sustainable and oh uh, okay. yeah it's like, a, it's like a little statue outside i mean i say little but it's pretty big so <laughs> when i was there it was a giant whale made of plastic mm-hmm. bottles 
Maybe it's a whale. It's and blue. My friend, my friend climbed on it and got fired. <laughs> she was really drunk after a sky oh God. sky party, and that she sounds... climbed on it as a joke. And the managing director saw her. Oh and, no! Uh, bless her. Mm. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah, You're like, come sad. on, give her a break. Nah, she's a right now. She sorted herself out. Good. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, as, as much as I love Sky, like they do contradict themselves a lot. I've I've had friends of mine, um, you know, people of colour, and they've struggled there. Really? Like direct abuse sometimes, which is bang out wow. of order. Um, and they've they've ended up leaving. I left like, what, four years ago, four and a half years ago. What did you do um, there? I was just a production junior. So I started off as a runner, mm-hmm. um, went into like logging games. So I was just mm. noting down anything exciting that happens on the rugby. Um, and then I got into documentaries, which I really loved. And I was like, I got up to, I ended up sort of directing them like five years later. Amazing. So I was, I was doing that for five years. So it's me and my good friend, Rory, shout out Rory Child. Um, <laughs> Yeah, me and him were just a kind of team. Like he was a sort of series director and, you know, producer. And I was just helping him out. And we'd, we'd film loads of stuff ourselves. Because like, yeah, it was it was really fun. But it was all about kind of documentaries on people who were struggling to find work. A lot of them have been homeless. Mm. A lot of them have been to prison. And we did it in Glasgow, Cardiff, Birmingham, London twice. Wow. So it was like... Glamorous. <laughs> it's not all glamour it's not all glamour, glamour. No, it was it was really cool um, and the experience was invaluable because while I was there I learned how to use cameras mm. um, for videography I learned how to edit myself nice. so then I started branching out into doing club videos um, and then yeah a few years later I started freelancing for Dave and Andy she hey. uh, at festivals yeah. Um, and yeah here we are like five years later no Wait, what year is it? <laughs> 2020? How old am I? 2020 is a write-off anyway, so... Like, it's a write-off anyway, yeah. yeah. No, so yeah, that was like six years ago. And I've, I've been working for them now for three years full-time. Amazing. So, but no, we, I, I do love it here. This is like, us at Family, we have a really good time. We've got such a tight crew as well. It is great. Like, you guys are awesome. Like, and mm. you're... You guys, what I love about you guys is that you're, you're all so, like, open. I mean, you're friendly as hell anyway, but... Mm. It is like literally a family. Yeah. Like without, you know, people being like super cheesy, being like, no, honestly, it's just a family. But like, no, actually, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But think, yeah. Um, and yeah, and you guys are just so like open and just super up for just learning mm. as well and welcoming new people into like the, the family, mm. as it were. And I like, really, really do. Like when I first met, um you know marissa and dave i was just like just instantly mm. just clicked yeah time and no just... i think that the guys have worked really hard on trying to maintain that culture yeah as a company because well, when i joined i was the third person after those two yeah I started the company uh, full-time we had a part-time editor tom but he's full-time now obviously but uh now we've got eight of us on full Amazing. full-time so fantastic it's it's growing it's growing yeah. like faster and faster it's, it's really weird because uh, it seems like yesterday it was, there was us four we're in this tiny office in london fields it's literally a shed progress i like i cannot imagine how we used to do it and we used to have someone else in there rent, renting a desk as well oh, so there'd wow. be five of us in a microwave and now you know we've got like five guys in a microwave yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now yeah we got you know we've got edit suites and meeting rooms and yeah 
No, that's really that's nice. It's great. It's all yeah. about progress, really, and sticking it, with man. it. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because we've had a quite a different tra- trajectory within... Mm. We've both worked in television, but we've had a quite a different trajectory. So I never actually did anything full-time. Okay. And no, in fact, that, that post-job I did in the library, that was a full-time gig. Yeah, what were you doing in there? Uh, so, yeah, so then I got the job as a librarian and was there for... I think I was there for about seven months. Okay. But because of the, you know, the credit crunch... It was constantly like the company was about to go under, oh, so no, everyone just, was just, don't just need that stress, yeah. Like, it was really stressful, mm. and obviously the pay was shockingly terrible. Really, it was minimum wage. It was yeah, mm. it was really bad, um, and and also it was you know it was on post production, which I didn't want to do mm. post production, but I was good at what I did and that, and I learned about that side about post yeah um and i wouldn't have got an opportunity to learn about post in that kind of way and that's a good way yeah really you spent some time in the environment yeah. yeah um and being the the kind of the go-between between all the departments as well mm. and i really that's great for meeting people yeah so that's like me when i was running because i get used to get sent all over the <laughs> all over the whole campus and uh yeah you just meet people from all sorts of weird departments. Yeah, like you'd yeah. be down in a garage, like <laughs> talking to the guy about the fleet of Mercedes, or you'd be down New Horizons Court talking to like the boss's PA Amazing. about like where he's going to be, so you can go deliver his new BlackBerry or some <laughs> shit. Like that's a lie. I'm dating myself a little bit. Like, <laughs> BlackBerry, yeah, BlackBerry, yeah. throwback guys. Does anyone Throw know what BlackBerry guys. is? Google it. Trust it was <laughs> never. It never caught on. Don't no, <laughs> <laughs> never actually caught on. Blackberry Messenger was kind of like the first WhatsApp, though. Oh yeah, because I remember that. Was, but that's why WhatsApp started because they got it, rid of Blackberry. No, because it was to join people who had iMessage and yeah, no, but it was no. before iMessage. Oh, there yeah. was a reason Normal why text message and Blackberry, yeah, or something like that. Like yeah. it started to, to to kind of make the two yeah, like yeah. one big thing, and then everyone was like. Like, what? iMessage, what? <laughs> Although, in the States, mm. um, everyone uses iMessage. No one uses WhatsApp, which is really weird. Wait, when someone doesn't... Yeah, I don't know. When Find someone sends me an iMessage, I'm just a bit like, like whoa. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <This> is, <yeah. laughs> What's going on when someone sends you a text, though, a green one. So what do I send back? I know. Just... I strap it to a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just... But then your phone will try and send an iMessage back. Yeah. But they don't have it. And then, so then freak out. The whole thing's dead because yeah. they think you're airing them. <laughs> so long. Yeah, um, it's jokes. But you got uh, into, so you're yeah. in the tape library for seven months. So I was there for seven months and I left. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, just took a bit of a dip out of television actually. I worked as a PA assistant for this creative couple who um, they were, so the husband was, um, so you know Tony and Guy? Mm-hmm. So Tony, he was Anthony Muscolo. So Tony and Guy's four brothers, um, but they named it Tony and Guy because Tony and Guy are actually the two eldest oh. brothers. But there's Tony, Guy, Bruno, and Anthony. All right. Um, and so I worked for Anthony and Pat Muscolo, and they, you know, he's a photographer as well. And he obviously started teaching all this stuff, and they had their own kind of creative ventures. And I was basically like support for them. And that, even though it was like, you know, it wasn't in TV or production. That actually gave me some really great skills in terms of just understanding like how just things can work, how to be organized, how to, because they did do shoots still, you know, and so it was just like another world that mm. I wouldn't have ever had 
had access to. So what kind of work were they doing? So I was, they were doing, so they do shoots for um, Bedhead and TG, which is obviously their hair company. Um, and then I would have to kind of do location scouting. So kind of like quite similar. Sort of being a producer kind of. Yeah. Um, but then I'd also have to do things like um, just kind of like admin-y things as well that I'd have to kind of do with them. But it was a really chill job it was really weird to explain actually because you know i'd work from their their house in chelsea and then sometimes i'd work from their other spot in battersea and then you know then we like there was just, it was very fluid yeah it was very chill it's quite very, nice though a bit of variation it was it was like that rigid kind right. of every day every yeah. day like it was really nice to work for them because they were so chilled out really and they just got it as well going from a company which that was scrimping and saving on everything because i thought they were going down to suddenly having like my own huge like mac computer mm-hmm. and you know what and if i wanted something in particular to make my working life better they were like sure that's nice and they would yeah and they'd get it for me and they were really open you know in terms of being able to like teach me various things and i you know i'd obviously i'd always had cameras and stuff but i'd never been on a photo shoot before like a set like yeah. that and so you know if i was like oh what does that do what is the, you know i could ask certain questions so valuable I yeah you learn, you learn really, so much so really quickly. valuable and it's funny because yeah. now on some of my shoots i always think back to that time of certain things and like i remember the, i'll never forget the first time i saw anthony's shoot and the way he stood with the camera and stuff when he was shooting i was like that's a stance he was just like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the power he, stance. right and then yeah. he was in all these weird <laughs> positions and i was like what's he doing and now when you see me shoot i'm like huddled into a corner trying to get like all these funny things so it's you know and he always said to me that you you do find yourself kind of contorting just mm. to try and get the shot the you angle. get quite obsessed with the shot I, I yeah i've done that quite a few yeah. times <laughs> well, my, my friends used to take the piss out of me so much same like, i'd be always shooting like festivals and stuff yeah and they'd be like where's maxi gone <laughs> Hey, look down. I'm like in the photo pit, laying on the floor. Yeah, laying on the floor. Okay. Laying on the floor. That the way, angles, yeah. lasers, mate. Yeah. Banging. <laughs> That's what? So if you can see the angle I'm getting right <laughs> yeah, now. Oh, exactly. Trust me, the shot is worth it. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. So, so that's what that gave me. But then I, I, um, I then got offered a job. Um, how did I get offered this? I think I might. I think I'd done some like an internship at a couple of companies before I can't even remember the timeline now so long ago but I think I, straight after uni I think I've done a couple of internships and um and then one of them had like hit me up saying like look we've um I want to connect you with uh this woman who's going to work at this company and I think you'd be really good as a production assistant it's like cool um and it seemed really like a quite a good opportunity so they offered me the job and I took it and I was production assistant across like yeah the their channel four docs that kind of were coming out and that but well, that was channel four documentaries yeah so i was then, so then cool. i popped back into tv then yeah. and um <laughs> and then that was i'm not going to name the company but they were that was an experience okay that was when people think of companies where people like scream and throw things it was one of those it was one of those right so <sighs> it was a really intense experience yeah and they rule with the stick more so than the yeah but i also was like really confused as to like what was going you know it was really small i mean the office was probably about the size of this room Mm -hmm. so it wasn't that big and there was like there was only a few of us there 
Um, and the MD, she would just f and blind and scream and shout. She was on the phone. See, that's one, old school television. It's re- yeah, and that's yeah. what she was. Like, she was old school television. Anyway, then the I ended up getting fired. What? Because, right? Get this. Because <laughs> I had booked. They asked me to book flights to New York. Yeah. Fine. Um, I said I was telling the director again. He he was one who owned the company as well, but I'm not going to name names. He had said the the amount of money that he wanted to spend and the length of flight he wanted to do. He didn't want to do like, like 20 hour flight or whatever, just because it was going to cost 300 pounds or something. Okay. Right. So I was like, cool. So I was like, but it was very quick. T- so it was like four, in four days time or something. You're not going to get a cheap flight. <clears throat> okay. We know this. <laughs> Obviously I have to turn water into wine. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I then found, I managed to find a flight. Great. Icelandic Airways or whatever, kind of something like that. Um, and then I booked it, sent it all across. Then the next day was actually my last day before I was going on holiday. Was away for a week with friends, got back, and then had a missed call straight away. And I was like, I'm not actually at work. This is still my day off. Yeah. Like when I get back in the next day, I'll have a chat. Got in and basically they were like, yeah, so you booked the flight and he had a stopover in Iceland for two hours. And I was like, right. He was two like, hours? That barely gives you time to get no, your bag. It, and it, then... it wasn't even because he had a two-hour stopover. It's because it was Iceland. Right. And what was he going to do in Iceland for two hours? And I was like, mm, you don't leave the airport. So re- Yeah, read your book. But they do were something. Like, they were like, well, you know, that was just really... No, that's bollocks, man. Yeah. And I was like, sorry. Were they kind of going under as well? Were they trying to get rid of people? Because that's No, that's they like, had just started. That's a fucking... That's a yeah. shit excuse. That's Come a, on now. Yeah. And I, I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we just need someone who can just get it. Who just gets it. But then finally, so the, the lady was like effing and blinding. She felt really bad about the whole situation. She was like, I know, it's terrible. Like, this is actually terrible. So I'm going to get you a job with my old company and they're actually across the road. Okay. So she called up her, her old production manager and was like, look, I've got this girl, she's brilliant, she's really good. I think she'll be a really good like, production assistant for you guys and stuff. She was like, oh great, well actually, um, we are getting going with the show called The Hotel. I think it was like the second series of it. It was like a rig show, a bit like, mm-hmm. you know, the Big Brothers and the family yeah, yeah, yeah. and that. Um, and we're going down to Torquay for three months. How does she fancy doing that for the summer? I was like, fine, whatever. And Torquay. then, yeah, I know. And I spent three months in Torquay. <laughs> hilarious. That? Oh my God. In this like budget hotel, which was hilarious. That is it was, it was a lot of fun. It was like crazy hours, but it was so much fun. We had a really good production team. So I ended up kind of just falling into production Okay. then, um, and then I did the edit. Then they kept me on for the edit, and I was doing a lot of like transcribing. Uh, then I do like a lot of. Uh, so this second job sounds like a nice little hookup. Then. Yeah, it was. It's it not was. Like, get rid of all the like horrible right. negative energy. Exactly. Exactly. And you're having fun. Having you're fun. You're on location. Exactly. And it was great. And you know what? Talky actually, yeah. the English Riviera is something to. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's in Devon, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty beautiful in the summer. Like it's lovely. Yeah, my my family originally, well, my my grandparents are all from Devon and Cornwall. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. that was the first time I've been to Torquay. Yeah, yeah. and I'd been to Cornwall before when I was younger, but mm-hmm. I hadn't ever been to like Devon or Torquay. And like, but being there over the, I love being near the sea anyway. So you know, I'd go for runs in the morning right up to the cliffs oh, and back. Beautiful. And so, yeah. so it was actually it was great. Um, nice, yeah. yeah, it was nice. It was like I said, it was 
stupid hours mm. but we all were doing them and we were all having fun and what I got to do on that shoot was actually I got to do a lot of research but basically kind of be a researcher so I got to spend time with directors shooting APs and understand like how the whole thing works and yeah, yeah. what my production manager and everyone had kind of realized that I was actually really good with people and I'm really good with contributors. I'm really good at getting people to like do things. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at getting people to like open up on camera ah, and that. So you would have been very useful then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. So, it's a good skill to have. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so they would always just take me out on shoots. They'd be like, Oh, do you want to come? And I was yeah. like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll come. Um, and, and then I started learning bits about the camera mm-hmm. then as well. Uh, and then in the edit, then learning lots about the editing. I started doing loads of edit recession, pulling clips as well for the editors um, that would go into the show. And, um, so and it that, sounds like a really good like broad spectrum. It was really things, broad, yeah. And I did, great. It was yeah. so good. And I did it for nearly a year as well. Um, and then by the end of it, though, you know, I, I was at that position where I could basically be a coordinator. And I was like, but I don't want to be a coordinator. No. So you want to go into actual like production? Editorial yeah. is really where I'm at. But see, before, leading up to that point, you know, that took me, if I think from uni to that point, that was probably about two years. No one told me the, you know, the um, the trajectory that one is supposed to go no. and what all the different roles were in TV. And no one told me what it meant to be a researcher. Or anything like that. Or I think they would have just explained that. Like no one tells you what those things mean. No. And so you're kind of just out in the dark, just mm. feeling your way. So it took me a while to realise that, that that actually my skills would be good for applicable that. to certain positions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is it. Like just that basic knowledge of knowing the structure of the sort of you know creative team and and yeah. the, the, the the production head to toe. It is invaluable and it's not something that is necessarily explained to people right. sometimes. Yeah. And you do kind of have to, because every company also has a kind of little different things yeah. that each person does. Like you'll go over here and oh, they're, you know, they're head of creative development um, in this company. That means they do X, Y, Z. But in this company, that actually means they do yeah, something yeah. else. Yeah, I've definitely been, I've yeah. definitely had that at certain companies as well. Mm. But, I, but at the same time, I think just having a basic understanding of the framework of you know the kind of roles and and how you move up and stuff i think it's just so invaluable and i think if anything you know if you're going to go to university and to study this or you want to or even if you're not going to go to university but you want to get in it's having a real understanding of how you become how you become a runner mm-hmm. or a researcher and how you get from one thing to the other yeah what are the skills that i need yeah, you yeah, know yeah. for those things and so it's, it's interesting um we're talking about it because I I didn't go to university mm. and I didn't I was working at Sky which is a very different form of production yeah so I've, I mean I've, I've never really uh, admitted it to the guys when I first started working here but they employed me as a producer and I didn't ah. I didn't really know what an AD was I didn't really know what any of this <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what an AD was either yeah so, I didn't get what that meant yeah what and does it mean then, <laughs> <laughs> Just you basically shout at people. Yeah, so. that's what I worked out. Yeah. <laughs> that's I worked out. <laughs> Again, like we were saying, it's having an understanding of what people do because exactly. when you don't, you, you people have this can kind of look, shared empathy. And yeah, you're not going to yeah. start having a go at someone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've definitely seen situations like that though, mm. where someone's kind of like just bolstered and blundered into a situation, and they've yeah. just been like, "What are you doing?" What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, but 
I needed to, yeah, and it's like wrapping something yeah. up or whatever, and they're like, mm. but that's when, I was just told yeah, by. That's when shit goes south. Yeah. Because they're kind of shouting at youth from a place of ignorance. I can say the company mm. that I am. Um, that yeah, I worked on the hotel for was Dragonfly. Mm-hmm. And without them, actually, I would, the trajectory of things would have been very different for me. So they really gave me a lot of confidence and gave me the opportunity to become a researcher. So I left, I finished my contract on the hotel and I was obviously credited as production assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, you know, I really want to move into researching. Yeah. I went away, went on holiday. Um, and then I came back and they said, you know, well, we've actually got a position in development as a researcher. You still have to do maybe some coordinating bits like, you know, rec- reconciling receipts mm-hmm. and things like that. But for the most part, it will be researching. Would I be interested? It's about a three month contract. I was like, brilliant. Um, and I did it and it was great. And it was, and I really, really did come into my own there. And I really, I just... So I did that for three months yeah. uh, and, I, and I got to work with one of the directors that I had worked with on the hotel as well. And we were, we were doing a development about Babe Station, actually. What? About Babe Station. You did what? Are you? We did a development on, I think it was, was it about Babe Station or it was about, it, or it was about um, sex work. And that one part was about Babe Station that okay. I was on a shoot for. And that was super interesting. So I went to Babe Station. Wow. And got to hang out with all the girls. How was that? That was great because yeah. they were like super inspiring because they were all like studying investment banking and yeah, yeah, yeah. they were like hella, hella You hear smart. that quite a lot actually. Yeah. yeah. They were like, they were super smart. Yeah. And this was just a stopgap for them because they knew that they could make quite a lot of money. It was cash. Yeah. Cash. And you was just like, actually, you're the, you, you're the ones that have really got it. Like you guys yeah. really, you girls really you're know. You're taking advantage of a certain demand. Exactly. And right. it doesn't really cost you that much necessarily. Like, like they did nothing. Yeah. They did nothing. I mean, they would like, they would lie on in this room that looked like really, really pretty and really made up really well, twiddling their hair mm. and being on the phone. Yeah. Like <laughs> that was it really. Like they didn't do a great deal and stuff and they were getting paid like a lot of money. I'd love to hear some of the stories about the people they talked to right. though. Man. I know. Because like, they're probably pretty normal. But some of the people who call into those things, right. man, like... Are not so normal. No, not so normal. <laughs> not so normal. Well, I mean, it depends what your normal is. No, yeah, of no, course. Yeah, Each their know. own, like... No, yeah, not, yeah. not going to judge anyone no. for their quirks or whatever. But you I know, bet there's but... been some, like, peculiar conversations. Yeah, Let's that's the way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, Definitely some peculiar ones, for sure. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, mm. and then I think that even took me up to Luton at one point and took me to Ipswich and and then I started really kind of traveling a lot around the, the UK with various jobs that I was doing and f- yeah so from that I then kind of started yeah getting more and more researcher jobs a few bits and bobs here and there and um and then it really just kind of kicked just really kicked off and I was doing I did the, the chicken shop uh, I did a lot of like Channel 4 rig shows. Are you working on chicken shop? Yeah. What did you do for those um, guys? So Just researching. Yeah, oh, really? Is yeah. that quite fun? It was so much fun. Yeah. And yeah, I made some really good friends. And then we met this this girl called Molly. And she, you know, she, she was very upper middle class. and mm. But she came with this energy that was, she wasn't like snooty or anything like that. But she came with an incredible confidence of, 
I know who I am. I know what I want from the industry. I know how much I deserve to get paid and that. And, you know, she came from a really good family. She told us, I think her dad's friend worked, knew someone at the BBC or whatever. You know, that kind of nepotism sure, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. But neither of us like judged her for it or whatever. And when she told us the amount that she was getting paid, we were like, God, how much, how do you, how did you, how did you get that? How did you, just like, I just walked in and said, I want that. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. And then I just took that and ran with it. And from then on, I started really getting paid the amount that I was, because I was really, I was really good at my job. People like talking to me. So I was like, I'm getting good people. I can get good people for your production. Sure. Pay me. Yeah. You know. What, so you actually... So I started after, after meeting her. After you, meeting her, that kind I, of pushed yeah. you on to go and have a word and yeah, and just and just you know I, from going. I mean, so I, I freelanced, so I never worked full time. I did you know work from various different productions and production companies, and and had quite a good rapport with a lot of them. Um, and so I had, I think my best time in television was as a researcher. It was so much fun. It's a bit less pressure. Bit less pressure. You get to kind of have fun with the people you're working with, yeah. and you get to meet like such a variety of people loads of people huge variation yeah that's the one man yeah for sure what i did struggle with was shooting though i struggled with being given the opportunity to shoot what would happen a lot of the time was a director a shooting you know pd would come in they'd show you the camera yeah and they'd be like oh that's what that does and that's what that does and they give you all the theory about it they wouldn't actually allow you to like practice it, and right to shoot it. And what started to happen was that guys were giving that opportunity. Really? So you were seeing, and you, you know, I, I never get this one guy who was a runner. He was so up his own ass. It was unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable, you know. Um, but that in that type of boisterousness translated better when you are when you were a guy yeah so he could just pick up the car he would just pick it up wouldn't ask anyone he could take the kit it kind of scares guys a little bit when a girl when a female is like that and they have those attributes yeah it scares women also yeah yeah, yeah. as well like it's weird like it's really weird yeah and so it was always like oh you know he's taking the 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 kit or whatever and everyone was kind of annoying but it'd be fine and there, you know, me and a few other people would kind of comment and be like, but we are not even allowed to like, it's not even that you're not allowed, but you don't feel like you can just mm. do that. And again, that comes back into, you know, obviously, you know, gender roles and society and stuff. And, you know, women are more likely to say we can do something if we know we 100% can do it rather than just like, yeah, I can do it. Wing it. And winging like it. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sure. Which a lot of guys do. Of course. And that, um, mm. and when I realised that, I started doing that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, you're sure I can edit. No, I mean, it's still part of it though. Don't know Literally, I, I yeah. um, for the first job I ever had as a freelancer, uh, I, I went to this all night sort of, techno rave in Hearn Street Car Park which used to be a sick yeah I used to go there Charlotte. a lot really yeah, yeah. we could have been at the same we yeah. used to go to one more I used to shoot for one more they oh, did I those techno nights um yeah. but yeah they uh I managed to blag my way in by basically showing them a couple of videos that I helped make <laughs> and told them that I directed them and they were like oh man like they're all Italian like it's so good it's so good like you, you come you do our videos I was like yeah man of course brilliant they're like, uh, how much? And I was like, oh, 250. And they're like, okay, man, that's good, that's good. And then I, I was working for them for like 
two or three years after that. Amazing. Yeah, just like coming in. I like, but I had no idea how to use cameras. <laughs> I, I, I edited my first video on iMovie. <laughs> Lo- yeah, but that is great though. It's great. It was so shit. <laughs> like at the time, like it was, it was good. Yeah. Uh, and the concept was quite fun and they liked it. But and like technically the video was, it wasn't, it Shocking. wasn't well filmed. It wasn't particularly well edited, <laughs> but like it was definitely quite like unique in terms of uh, everyone else was just doing standard club videos. Yeah. Just like top light on, people dancing to the camera, DJ shots, people at the bar doing shots. Okay, so what were yours like then? <laughs> Mine were just like, I got the two resident DJs, um, they're, they're a duo called Altat from Italy, and I got them meeting up in Shoreditch. <laughs> And then they like you created a story, yeah, documentary, and, and then yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they walked down these alleyways to Hearn Street car park when it's empty. And they're looking around. They walk up to the booth, the DJ stage, um, and I did a sweep. So as it sweeps, as they start playing their first record, it sweeps behind them and it goes from empty to full club. Amazing. And they were like, "Oh man, we love it." <laughs> <laughs> People will get behind an idea. Exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, like, just they, something a bit different. Right, Mix it they up. just exactly. They just they just like an yeah. idea. But so. I, com- I completely blagged it. That was my point. <laughs> yeah. so this is my this is my um, advice for any girls, especially, and any women of color. Mm-hmm. When you get into this industry, do as white men do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just fucking go for it. <laughs> Good Literally, advice. just yeah. fucking go for it because. Yeah. No one is going to, if you just wait and keep your head down and keep working, no one is going to give you the opportunity. It's true. And I, again, I learned that the hard way, yeah. you know, and that's what I did. I kept my head down. I worked hard and I did all the things. But then along comes some fucking person some and they're just idiot like, who, who, who doesn't, just he, all mouth and right. they get given opportunities because they don't shut the fuck up. Yeah. And then they come to me and ask me how to use the camera. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> they haven't quite a lot. They're really? like, Hi. What does this whole thing situation work? And I was like, really? At that point, was that was that kind of one of the points where you were like, fuck this, I'm doing yeah. this myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, by this point now, I was, I was an AP, assistant producer. Mm-hmm. I had really cut my teeth. I knew really what I was doing. I knew I was really good at it as well. I knew, I just, I just knew how to be. And I really, at this point, should have been given the opportunity to direct. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, brought in. There's this directing on shoots, like yeah, just yeah. Well, so in TV, yeah, so in TV you have PDs, so producer directors and producers, and they'll just oversee a certain kind of uh, shooting schedule for the day. Yeah, well, sometimes for the whole series. Oh, okay. You know, um, yeah. So you have obviously a series director or a series yeah, producer yeah, yeah. and stuff. But then you'd have, so producers in television are editorial, you know, they don't do budgets and all that kind of stuff. Your production manager deals with all of that. You kind of control the actual you, content. Exactly. Um, and so you control, yeah, the, the content and then the look of the content mm-hmm. as well. And I was, you know, quite a few times I was brought in to, because a director by the channel, the channel had wanted to be part of it was all very political. Mm. So, you know, a production company would be really happy that the channel has greenlit and commissioned this show. But they've said, I will only do it if you we if you use this director because we liked what he okay. did previously. Yeah. However, he was actually terrible on whatever, on the current show. So then I get brought in and be like, look, he's pretty bad. So we know you're good. So can you like, basically like, 
not like, like almost like babysit him and make sure this happens. But then I was never given the credit. And I, the one time where I said, I was like, well, I need to get a credit. I, you know, I was still an AP at this point. I was brought into. You're making director calls. Yeah. And you're you're guiding. I'm guiding the director. director. He (laughs) basically didn't need to be there. And you're directing. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Right. To the point where the rest of the team would come up to me and ask me about, you know, things to do with the contributors, what the story was, how is this going to look, all the stuff. And and so then I remember being sat with my exec and my series director in a meeting thinking like, look, I need to get a producer credit at least for this. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And just being like, okay. And then... So there was all of those types of issues mm. going on. But there was also issues of race mm-hmm. happening, underlying, and as well as gender. You know, Was that sort of specific to that company or was no, that something you no, encountered? No, 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 because I freelanced. So okay. that was something which, you know, was a constant. Constant theme across a number of... Yeah, yeah. And it was really hard because it's not, it wasn't blatant racism. Because in mm. the UK, we don't have blatant racism. No, but we it's have the, the race- subtle racis- racism, which is the worst. Exactly. Which is gonna, probably li- going to do the most damage long term. Exactly. Because, you yeah. took the words right out of my mouth. Like, it 100%, it, over time, it chipped away at me. Because it, it chips away at your confidence. It makes you feel that there is a problem with you sp- specifically. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I came across a group on Facebook called Project Noir, which was a group set up by, he's now a friend of mine, Charlene, and she had been having all basically the same experiences I've been having and many, many other people of color within the industry have been having. And so she set up this this kind of like a Facebook group, just almost like to vent about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became a really great space, but then it turned into a space where people would share jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it was yeah. like, oh, well, this this is popping up, that was popping up. So it was helping people. It's good. Yeah, I've, I've heard in. of quite a few groups like that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, and it was, so really it, was help, it was helping people get into the industry. We, you know, and then eventually, then she asked me to be part of the collective. Mm-hmm. So then we would then, you know, we would have networking events. We were meeting up with channels and trying to tell them a bit more how to be a bit better when it comes to diversity what things were needed and stuff um but again what became very clear was you know we had talent managers sending us jobs all the time which was great but actually no one actually wanted to invest in any of us so we were so we were doing all this for free mm. whilst we were trying to work in television when you're doing 12 hour days seven you know six days a week Jeez. stuff so but they didn't want they wanted to be like look we're diverse but they didn't actually want to invest in the collective who were helping them to be diverse this is is like why it's good that people were calling out companies like this Mm -hmm. now yeah because that contradiction and it's like say one thing do another performative completely and utterly performative you know um and so i kind of back to away from that as well because you just realize i was just i can't manage it it's taking too much right and because working industry takes uh, it takes enough of me anyway (laughs) it takes a lot especially when you're kind of junior yeah brutal right Right. and there's there's no time for like complaining or anything Mm -mm. because there's another 15 people behind you who this would is it. Jump, jump in jump in that position you this know? is it but also it got to the point where i was frustrated because i felt like i was no longer junior you know i was yeah a well senior, actually, no, yeah, yeah exactly, i was a yeah. senior ap by, by this that point, point. Mm. i was 
I would any other APs I'd work with would always kind of look to me and check their work with me and yeah, ask yeah. me things and stuff like that. I was very much like a PD's right hand person. And I was like that for a long time. And I understand that that is, you know, the role of an AP to an extent. Mm. But it got to the point where I was, you know, so an execs were then coming to me and asking me about things. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, you're asking you smell me about, a rat, like. Right, you're asking me about decisions <clears throat> to make these decisions, but you don't want to give me the, the authority the, right. to make and, them for you. Right. Yeah. And this is what was the conversations that we I was having in the industry with other people of color was at AP level was everyone was going through that. Really? And so it was quite a thing where you would see a departure at that level of people of color from mm. the industry because also they realize that no matter how high up you go, you were still going to have to deal with the, like all the bullshit it never stops the really? bullshit doesn't stop and i met um, so eventually you you would be given the position far later than you should have yeah and it'd just be the same shit all over again and it'd be the same shit <sighs> right so you you're a bit like well you know what's the point mm. and actually yes I, you know, I, like I said, I was really good at what I did. I could I could walk up to someone in the street, sit on, on the bus or anything and say, look, I'm making this documentary for Channel 4 or, you know, BBC, da, 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 it's about X, Y, and Z. Hmm. Do you mind just talking to me? I'm not feeling, I don't have a camera in my hands, but I just want to talk to you, find out your story. And then they would. Yeah. They don't know me from Adam. Of course. That is an incredibly privileged position to be in, mm. to have someone tell you their story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really valued that. And really cherish that for you know. It's an, yeah, it's an, like I had a similar thing actually. Yeah, when I was doing those documentaries. And you do because yeah. it's like someone has just opened up their life it's, to it's you. A, it's a funny position to be so in. So funny because it? it's like I've only known you a short while. Literally, yes, I said hi on the bus. That's it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was in charge of the diary room, so kind of like Big Brother wow. diary room style thing on this documentary, and I'd be sitting in there, and they, you have to learn about their background, where they're from, mm -hmm. whether they've been to prison, what they've been to prison for, have you been married, where are your kids, why don't they speak to you? Like, yeah, and, it's and shit would get really dark, dark sometimes. Yeah, I've worked on some really dark. I mean, mm. I worked on Twenty Four Hours in Police Custody. Fucking hell. Yeah, that the first series that was dark. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that, that it was it was great, but it was dark times. Yeah, you know, my first. Because it's all so real, like so. It's real. It's real stuff. My first day was human trafficking case. No way. And I was with forensics in this house, and you know, it's. And it goes, and also house searches go on for hours yeah, and hours because yeah, yeah. they go through every time. You don't think about it. So you're there with like a crew? That, but it was just me and a director. What, are you shooting? He was shooting. Okay. And I would be like, basically I was just like, yeah, right hand person. Yeah, just just like like talking to everyone. Talking to everyone, but also yeah, the kit. Yeah. Finding, always, always find out what the next story was. Yeah. Because it was so intense, the director's... You know, the PDs on that, it was hard for them to also be on top of the story, which is what usually happens in television. Mm -hmm. PDs are on top of the story in a big, big way. Yeah. But really, there's so much going on that they just need to shoot. So I then had to be, well, what is the story? What's the story? What's going what on? What's the, next, what's, yeah, the, sure. what's the next step? Mm -hmm. What's this? What's that? Um and I worked with a really incredible PD. Like we be we became so close and, you know, it was like a brother and sister. He was like my big brother, brother mm. and sister relationship and really supportive. And after that first day, 
you know, it was like 12 hours. No, he ended up being a lot longer, actually, because of, of the way the case kind of went. And he just looked at me and then just, like, pulled me in for a hug. And I was like, mm. oh. we were both were like, wow, we've got six more weeks of this. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it was, um, but it was, it was, it, that was, that was actually really brilliant. And I really did, I did enjoy it. What I think needs to happen, though, and I, 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 I'm really passionate about this because while I did work on really incredible shows and docs, you know, during that time and the, all these stuff were really hard hitting, um, there needs to be more mental support for people who are working on those shows. For crew. For crew, yeah. 100%. Because it's- everyone freelances. So you do your six, six weeks, eight weeks, and they tell you that during that time, you know, if you need to talk to someone, you know, someone is there. But you're, you're doing so 12, busy. Yeah. 12 hour days, yeah. six day weeks. Mm. And 12 hours in any 24 hour period. So 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., okay? okay? Right. So how and when am I supposed to yeah. see or even process what I'm seeing for me to be see, able to this then... Is it. I, I bet when you finished, you, it kind mess. of came up and you were yeah. like, what right. did you do? What, what well, was kind of going on after once you finished that right, When I finished that show, yeah. I had about a week or two and then I started 24 hours in A&E. <laughs> Lou, <laughs> mate, you you got hardcore, man. Hardcore, jeez. Back to back, and then and then I finished that, and then it had all kind of hit me, and I was like, yeah, actually, and I think the next show I think I went on to after that was, you know, it was actually quite a nice one. It was like about pub quizzes or something for Sky. It was really like chill, but I was so mentally exhausted yeah. and damaged yeah. that I. I almost I basically just had to say, look, I actually can't go on to the shoot of this. Because you your brain, your brain's saturated. Too, it was too with, much. Like just all this yeah. kind of stuff. It was too much. And I just said, I was like, I'm really sorry, but I am not in a good place. However, their response to that was terrible. Oh, no. So they, you know, they were really, at first they were a bit disappointed and the director was like, you know, you've done so much for us like it would be really great if you could see it out and i was like i would love to yeah. but i honestly i need to step back now like i, I I'm, I'm past my limit um and then after that the production manager was just was pissed off with me the whole time you know just you're just like why are you being a bitch it's just so fucking it's petty petty and so if you didn't play ball the way people wanted you to play ball yeah. you had to endure pettiness and that was what played a lot of the shows i worked on but it's not like they're putting the production of this television show over the mental health oh always of the, yeah, oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah yeah but you need to keep it in perspective man like of course we're not no saving anyone's lives yeah exactly no one's gonna fucking die if no. i don't come in for the first two weeks or like yeah, yeah i don't know yeah, yeah. when but when I, I had that a lot of sky as well going back to that mm. like people put their, their profession and our kind of daily activity on this pedestal yeah. And they're literally screaming at people through microphones or like throwing objects at people in the gallery because they didn't mix the right way between cameras. And it's like, guys, we're like we're we're broadcasting Swansea on a fucking Saturday. <laughs> You've got five viewers. There's more people in the commentary box than there are watching this shit. So let's just fucking take it easy. Yeah. Let's just yeah. It's not that deep. No. It's never, never that it's deep. never that deep. No. It's never that deep. Even if it's live TV, it's never that deep. Like, exactly. And and because I had that attitude as well, mm. which kept me helped to keep me sane, but people didn't like that. Man. And I was like, well, 
you know, there's just, there's more things, there's bigger things at play here. And also I was very much aware that I was in an unfair playing field. Mm. So, well, when my head was down and why I was I, working. Why should I put my mental health on the line for people who are kind of taking advantage of me yeah. in a roundabout way? Right. Like you are taking Take advantage. advantage. Yeah, you're literally so, draining me of everything I've got. Yeah. And now because I'm like, look, I'd actually would like to retain a drop of blood, thanks. Mm. Now you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to make it in this town? <laughs> literally. You'll never work again in this industry. <laughs> it was literally like that. Um, and so, yeah. And then I just, I made a decision. You know, I, um, I, I just said, you know what? I'm actually, I'm done. I moved out of my flat in Clapton and then moved back in with my parents. I was like, hey, mom, dad, back again. <laughs> you know, like, hey. I bought myself a Sony A7S um, and I, but I actually, no, let's go back even further, probably about a year and a half to two years before I made that decision. I was actually starting to like post more of my photography on like, Instagram and on... So you've been doing your own photography this whole my time? Whole, yeah, my, this whole time. I was okay. always doing my own photography. I always had cameras, shot my friends, you know, always our nightlife, out and about and stuff. Where did that come from? That kind of passion, that hobby? Is it just something Since you've always done? Kid, or were there I, no, like relatives in your life? Yeah, my grand, so I've got my granddad's camera and oh, my granddad nice. always took pictures of me when I was a kid. Oh, cool. Um, and then I would always love to, you know, since I was a kid, I always had disposable cameras. Mm -hmm. I would just love documenting but the the where it came from music has always been a huge part of my life and my family's life as well and so we'd always watch music documentaries read music book you know books of biographies of artists and famous musicians <clears throat> and whilst watching those docs you know the way that they always shot those kind of biographical kind of docs always with lots of archive footage yeah and a lot of it sometimes is quite personal as mm. well. And, you know, I was always like, who's, who are these people in this room that's taking these pictures? Yeah. You know, who is filming this? Like, <laughs> who's filming Jimi Hendrix just hanging out in a hotel room? Yeah, like, how'd you yeah. get there? Like, people what? making memories. Right. Mm. Exactly that. And I'd go through these books as well and see these incredible, you know, photographs of Stanley Kubrick on the set of The Shining. Like, who took that picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's hanging out with these people? Like, is this... Uh, when you look at it now, you're like, who had that amazing opportunity to be in that position? But at the time... At the time, I was just looking at these photos. Even a, yeah, yeah, you don't even think about photos. it. was like, this is really cool. And that informed the way I shot because it's that documentary mm. style of just documenting what's in front of you. Yeah. And so... Just like allowing just people to kind of be there just for a few seconds. Yeah. Like, yeah. So just capturing moments, really. Mm. And... I always kind of went back to that and you know my best friend Mudi he's a great photographer and he taught me a lot as well um, about cameras and what types of cameras to get and so I to be honest I mostly would just he you know he bought a, an Olympus I'd buy an Olympus he bought you know it was just that kind of thing and stuff and then he'd be like oh you know this is really good for this and because he was like a proper you know photo geek and stuff and mm -hmm. um and we would go around London and just taking pictures of things. We, you know, so I say, we're up to babes. Oh, let's just walk about the city and just take That's pictures. Yeah. Okay, sure, let's do that. That's nice. Yeah, and go to exhibitions and things like that. And this is, I think, you know, I really, I feel do fortunate about growing up in London because 
I had access to the arts from such a young age. We are spoiled in London. Really spoiled. You kind of take it for granted a little bit. Right. And yeah. then, you know, there are photos of me when I'm like five in like the V&A and, you know, the Imperial Museum and all that kind of stuff. And so you're just like, that stuff is really valuable. Mm -hmm. Just take consuming art yeah. all yeah, the time yeah, yeah. is really valuable. In from terms an early of like, age as well. From early age in terms of like you're out put in life and how you see the world and what you value too. and what you value as well mm. and then it became this thing that as I got older what I wanted to do on my weekends was go to the Tate was go to the Serpentine walk about you know I I'd, I'd you know we'd scour like time out mm. to see what was happening What's around to yeah. find you know these cool little exhibitions this in, is before Google before Google <laughs> before Google was Mad. a thing yeah um <laughs> We'd walk around and go to like little vintage shops, pick up Vice magazine and go mm -hmm. through there and see what the new next cool film was or, you know, what was the thing and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. all of that, and yeah, taking in those in media in that kind of way really does make a huge difference. So I do encourage anyone to like, you can get yourself things that are like intangible, things mm -hmm. you can touch and feel and stuff, you know. And if, you know, even if it is magazines that you're just going through and you're just idly looking through, it has so much more of an effect than scrolling mm -hmm. on your phone. The physical The thing. physical things. Yeah. So you'll remember them and you'll probably cut them out and put them on your wall. And if you yeah, don't, you true. should do it, you know, because mm. it, it does have this real big effect on you as who you are shaping who you are going to become like if i think about who i am now so many times now i can see all the things i'm like like you know oh well that wouldn't have happened if that if i didn't pick up that magazine if i didn't touch this and when yeah, he goes to the exhibition yeah. you know so much of that of who i am is based on all of those tangible experiences um but yeah so music being a huge part of my life um always was involved with various subcultures within you know the london music scenes from garage to punk and ska and um dance music and techno and stuff and um and then you know just kind of documented my friends in, within those spaces not in this kind of profound way where it was like yeah you know got all these collection of images from a garage rays or whatever because not necessarily because some of the stuff was shot on my phone you yeah. know on the old sony ericsson's you know that kind of stuff not always on on you know cameras and stuff but there was always that element of documenting mm. what we were doing so it's interesting because a lot of people now <clears throat> when they take photos mm. it's purely on a social media front you, you, yeah. don't, you don't print them you just yeah. put them online and they kind of sit there. And, they sit and this, there. this is a representation of who I am and what I do. But what I find interesting about your documentation is because it's kind of before that. So yeah. your passion about documenting came from a completely different place. It is. It came from this place of if someone was to look back at this time, what would they know about us? And what okay. would they see? About like how I look back at certain books and saw Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles and I you know I I could find this photo of John Lennon or whatever sat in this East London cafe or whatever like that wouldn't have existed without mm. someone yeah, yeah, documenting yeah. that yeah and that and like 
or just you know you have not that nec- kind of physical archive almost exactly like it's not necessarily always seen but it's there it's there yeah and again you know not even having to be anyone of of any particular note but this is what we look like at that time and this is what we did at that time mm-hmm. And even, you know, what Shoreditch looked like at that time as well, which was like, you talk about Hearn Street Car Park and stuff. Like that was a different time. It's it's gone now. Completely gone. And there was, I mean, Adidas used to throw their do you, you know, do over parties in there Mm. every summer. And that was great. We've seen Damien Marley there. Really? You know, but like, and that, you you think about that wasn't actually even that long ago. That was like 2010, (laughs) you know, like 10 years ago. It's not long ago. It's not long ago, but my gosh, how much London has changed in terms of the scene and music and subcultures as well. And, you know, this was, I was growing up in a time and documenting a time where subcultures were... You know, if you were into punk, you were really into punk and yeah. that culture or whatever. It wasn't just like an outfit that you buy. Right. It was a you lifestyle. Know, it was a hundred percent a lifestyle. It was what wearing, you and your friends did. Right. And... Wearing creepers, not because Rihanna has yeah. them. I love Rihanna. <laughs> not because she wears them, but yeah. because like, you know, that was the thing. And you know, and, and it was and they're cool and they 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 show that I am part of this this lifestyle. Whereas they definitely became a point in music where things blended a lot more and you know mm. a lot more commercial artists started like using uh, or kind of using different influences and it just or the whole thing kind of got monetized maybe yeah, i mean i i'm from west london i i wasn't like going out loads when i was when i was younger necessarily mm-hmm. um like we used to go squat raves in hackney wick and stuff love to go squat rave yeah uh, like un- underground yeah like house and, and drum and bass was a big thing drum for and me. bass was massive yeah yeah but like, i i don't feel even though i've lived here my whole life i don't really feel qualified to necessarily comment on how or whether or not the scene has kind of been taken away or as a city we've kind of monetized it and sold it maybe or because mm. I, I i don't feel really just i'm not old enough well, to maybe look over the last yeah, but 20 I think, 30 years when i guess those changes would have happened but it's yeah. certainly i feel that that's happened i think you're definitely <clears throat> qualified to to um yeah mm. to talk about that for sure because you know as we were just talking about Hearn Street Car Park, like yeah. that was around what only 10 it? years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it actually wasn't that long ago. We're not talking about a time in the 80s, no. you know, or even the 90s. We're talking no, no, no. about, yeah. this was still the noughties. Like well, it this wasn't is it. Like, I can, that long ago. Off the top of my head, I can name like 10 clubs that I used yeah. to go to that have all closed now. Yeah. Um, and they haven't reopened. And that, right. Yeah. That was so sad as well. And, and it's, just, it's, it's like they've closed all the small nice cool, subculture ones cool spots, cool spots and they're just replacing them with like the tesco version of a fucking nightclub literally that and it's basically catered to the city slickers and yeah people who spend lots of money people spend where they can they can go actually we can charge 12 pounds for a cocktail yep. rather than three pounds for a pint yeah whereas we just like, pff, spit it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have it back mate. Sorry, sorry how much yeah I'll <laughs> see you later i'll, I'll go somewhere else i'll next. be outside drinking. yeah <laughs> yeah i'll be outside that's another what we used to do i Middy used to call them road drink. He'd be like, "Should we get some road drinks yeah, and then yeah. go to go to a spot?" So we yeah, just go to the office, <laughs> get the drinks, and then like you know, bum around for a while. Then we'd go to the rave and nice that. One. And um, but yeah, it was sad when you know all those clubs started closing down because you really then started to see just a change in mm. London. And um, and actually, I find myself documenting less and less. I still, you know, I'm. It's funny because there's more and more people, but there's less and less. 
It's less and less. Cool the, shit happening. Yeah, I mean, I say that there is still a lot of stuff, and There's I and, plenty, and I'm still is, yeah. part of subcultures. I'm still part of you of know the music scenes that I'm part of are still. Yeah. I suppose they're still subcultures. You know, jazz. But it's just and, hard to have that originality in a genuine yeah. format in the kind of age we live in because everything yeah. is just so readily available. Like yeah. You could just go online. I could literally just do a few searches on Instagram, go shopping tomorrow, and I could have a completely different look and just tell you that I'm into X, Y, Z. Exactly, 100%. That's the thing. It's yeah, so, so it's, polished. It's just a bit more artificial, I suppose. There yeah. is still that genuine... Yeah, it's, there, there are. It's still there, of course. There are, for sure. Like, but... But that yeah. has what's... And documenting in that kind of way, though, has helped. That's what's helped my career, really, to be honest. Um you know documenting music and being going you know going to gigs all the time and mm. people who are the people around me who were docu- who were musicians a lot of the time through friends of friends and friends of my own started taking pictures of them at gigs and mm. stuff and then they started asking me if you know I would come and shoot their gigs and then it kind of just snowballed from there and then on and it's um, a nice way to yeah know, and because that's it because then it, right and then press shots up and then i started to feel like well actually this is exactly what you know looking at those books and stuff when i was a kid at those musicians hanging out mm. i'm literally just doing that now yeah just getting paid to hang out yeah so this, this is how you made your transition then from the television you yeah. just started in the photography stuff I started, yeah in the environment but no I, was there already, I was there already. You were there already, of and course. Then, and then I started to feel like, you know, when things started really kind of, I started waking up a lot to the things in television and any of the ideas I started to pitch, you know, about things that were quite important to me and trying to push representation was always met with resistance. Mm. I was a bit like, hmm, okay. And then I had opportunities. I made a film with Arts Council and a friend of mine and... Um, and I just saw that there was a whole other world, like creative world, that I could... Free away from all of that fucking right. politics and, exactly. and all that shit, yeah. And I could actually make art completely freely. Independent. Independently. And potentially make a bit of money from it mm-hmm. as well. Everyone okay, wins. I, I don't, at this stage, <laughs> I don't think I can pay my rent. So, so I'm going to go home <laughs> to my parents and stuff. And, and But I'll be really honest. When but I that's moved, a leap of faith because you've, you've gone away from the company that promises you a career but fights you on it yeah and promises you a wage but fights you on it it. and you kind of go away from that security blanket that isn't really a security blanket i mean i was still freelancing so it wasn't even a you know okay yeah i guess so yeah but But you know you could have had regular work and you know you could have supported yourself yeah even if it was kind of like damaging you a bit mentally because the Mm -hmm. hours you're working and and the subject matter but taking that leap of faith to have faith in your own abilities and your taste and knowing what you know what what's right and what feels good and yeah I, yeah just kind of laying your foundations and getting involved as a solo practitioner as it were like it's like that yeah. <laughs> solo practitioner <definitely. laughs> hi lee jasmine solo practitioner guys <laughs> but that's that's the leap of faith that's it like yeah i mean i'm very good at you know when something isn't working i just switch it up mm-hmm. like life is too short so if this is no longer working for me or, you know, okay, move on. Let's, Don't linger. Let's, let's, yeah, mm. switch it up. Let's try something else, you mm. know. And and I'm fortunate enough, though, to have that security blanket of my parents mm-hmm. to fall back on and to go, okay, I can come home. I don't need to worry about rent. I can 
flitter about and see what it is that I want to do yeah, and stuff. And but when I went home, you know, mentally I was not okay. Like mm. I'll be real. Did like, your parents know? Yeah, they you know, up on it. they could. Yeah, they were just like, "God, are you okay?" I was just erratic. Yeah, because TV makes you like so that. Just, yeah. You know, and I think it took about probably a good six months, seven months and stuff. And I remember my mum commenting. slow down. Yeah, but yeah. There was, she was like, you know, you're calmer now. Was it mostly unpaid, I'm curious, to begin no. with? Just utilising no. your network or? No, I would ask for payment. Okay. Because I'm not, you know, I, I needed to pay. I needed to pay bills. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I, when I got my camera, I'll be really real. I got my camera, I got it on credit. Because I didn't have like five grand to yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. just pay for it. <laughs> so I was always like, well, I can't work for free. You know, I think I might have done the odd one or two things maybe that, you know. But no, I, I definitely did paid work for sure. And I was, I, I don't, like I offer a skill set. Mm -hmm. So therefore I need to get paid. Well, who were you selling your skills to at first? That's the thing. It was a lot of things were coming to, to me. So oh. it was friends who work in the music industry. They would be like, oh, you know, oh, my friends that, you know, is looking for someone to take pictures for you know, their press shots, or oh, you'd be really good for this. I was, I didn't really know how the how everything worked or whatever. So I was getting paid, but it wasn't like I was getting paid a lot of money. Um, still because you'd be paid though. I remember uh, it was a constant battle with my mum trying to explain to her that I will get paid one day, mum. But for now, I yeah. kind of have to do it for free. Well, this is the thing. And this is something yeah. that I'm really passionate about. But not you also had the skills. I had the skill. I you did had the skills. Yeah, I did yeah. have the skills. But at the same time, I don't believe people should work for free. No. I don't have anyone working for free with for me unless I'm also working for free because you are still providing a service. Yeah. There is no other industry mm. where you have to work for free. No. No, 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 exactly. But it's this kind of an idea of coolness and glamour. Yeah. And people are, are so desperate to get into it that people take advantage and exactly. i think this is that's usually the case i'd say right and i don't i don't agree with it at mm. all no I, are, do I. Well, regardless not. of whether you have experience or not you are still, still offering something and you are giving up your time therefore you should be paid for it and the interesting thing is that people are only really interested in the work you've done that is paid anyway mm. so there's the catch-22 there of I've done all this amazing stuff. Yeah, but did you get paid? <laughs> no. Um, <okay>. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Do you like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you just lie and say, yeah, yeah, I got paid loads, mate? Yeah. But yeah, I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I got paid. Don't ask me how much. <laughs> Don't ask me how much. You know, yeah, yeah. They pay for my um, travel. <laughs> but I still got paid. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. So I, I would always say to people, look, don't do anything for free at the end of the day. Like... A good company or a good person you're working for shouldn't ask you to do things for free unless they are also doing yeah, things for free. That's, that's different. Yeah. Because yeah, that, that's that's a favour. That's a currency in exactly. itself. Because yeah. if, if you call me and say, oh, Max, I kind of need you to come down and AD on this shoot because my guy's dropped out. Uh, it's all, you know, it's, it's as a favour. We're not yeah. None of us are being paid. That's that's one thing, because then I can maybe call you up and be like, Is oh, it? Lou, like, we've got this thing going on, there's no budget, but could you right. come down for two hours and, and do right. a few okay. photos? It's like, yeah, because sure. I reciprocate. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a currency in itself. For sure, 100%. And it's also like, there's just an understanding of what as well. Like, sometimes some of us are just doing it for the love. And actually, mm. it's a cool project to be part of. 
I'd like that on my in my portfolio yep. or whatever, you know, you just kind of give people the option as mm. well of doing something. Um, but I do try and, you know, one thing that people don't understand is, you know, when you come down and you do take some pictures, that's not where the, the job starts and ends. Starts from the minute I leave my house and pack my kit, really. Yeah. You know, the kit that cost me ends. however much money and, and it all ends the when film. you've finished doing all the fucking... The film, you've done the edits yeah. and you've collected the, 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 the negatives and all that kind of stuff. Like, there is a whole, a whole thing around it. So there are sometimes when people ask me, oh, you know, so what's your hourly rate? I'm like, <laughs> my hourly rate? <laughs> what? Yeah. This isn't Topshop, babe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? My rate is... The work that you've just in the paragraph above mm. said how amazing you, how much my, you love my work. <laughs> so great. Love to have me on board. All that stuff. That is what you're paying for. And you're paying for the experience. You're paying for me to come. Even if I could do that job in an hour, you're paying for the fact that I can do it in an hour. In an hour, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You're paying for the fact that I'm efficient and that I'm really good at what I do and what you'll get at the end of it is going to be better than what you had even expected. You know what you're going to get. It's not a gamble. It's never a gamble. It's safe money. Right. It's this an investment. Is it. Literally. Yeah. And you'll probably get better than you paid you're paying for. Paying someone like, <laughs> yeah, half the amount, but they've got no experience. They're going to fuck it up. You're going to either get nothing or you're going to get something yeah. that looks a bit naff or obviously sometimes you'll get what you want, but right. this it's is a still it. a gamble. It's still a gamble. And... Um, it's really important to know your worth and it's very hard to do that because no one talks about rates mm. in these industries. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? It is. It's like me being a producer here, <clears throat> I have to talk to our network constantly about rates. Mm. And even though we've been working together for two, three, four years, it's still awkward. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? As, as soon as money comes into it, it's like, it's a bit, mm, it's a bit it's because, strange. Because no one talks about it. Yeah. So, Obviously, you know, I said I mentioned in television that, you know, I kind of, after learning about how to just go in with the money and stuff, but that's because I knew what the rates roughly would be, but the brackets for mm. those roles. Yeah. <clears throat> but then, you know, do, moving over to, to working for myself and being a photographer and director in, in this field, in branded and kind of doing things on the fly... You know, you're just like, what, 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 what should my rate be? <laughs> I had no idea. I have no idea. It constantly changes as well. It constantly changes. What you're doing and right. what you're offering. What who the and brand what you is, have done. What you yeah, have done. Exactly. How much money that they've just got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as well. exactly. Because sometimes that's really, you know. Because as soon as they, if oh, there's no worse feeling, you say you, they ask, oh, how much do you think that costs? You say it, and they're like, okay. Straight away, you're like, no. Away, like, they didn't even push back. Yeah. They didn't. I could have said double. Back. Didn't even push back. Didn't even push back. And my, 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 both my parents are always very like, always going higher than you think mm. and let them work you down. That's it. Because we're always worried about scaring people off with a number. <clears throat> but if, if those people want a service, they'll just give you another number. They won't just yeah. be like, huh, and run away. Right, right. They, they want you. And the people who do uh, run away, mm. they're not serious. Nah. And they don't take you seriously. Nah. I had an email through, in fact, last week, actually, and it's through a friend of a friend who works at a really major music label, huge. Uh, and I didn't know why, but she had clearly assumed that my rate would be 
I don't know what she thought I was, but she obviously assumed my rate was super low. Okay. And the rate that I provided her wasn't, as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't high yeah. at all. But, you know. As I, a director? As, um, yeah, but it, you know what I thought? It, was, it wasn't even, it was more like a shoot, just shooting a couple of artists, BTS with a couple of artists. Okay. Um, in the studio and then some of them out of the studio as well. Mm. But they also wanted it to be mixed media. So they wanted basically two camera setups. Mm-hmm. They wanted the HD and the DV cam. So I, I, but I didn't even charge, I didn't even add the extra. I just, you know, said the, the rate. I Your flat, them. flat rate. Flat yeah. rate. You know, um, she didn't even get back to me. Right. And then I, I emailed to say, hey. It's good to know why. Yeah. Yeah. Like what was she goes, oh, it, well, it was above what, you know, it was quite a lot above what we had. And I thought, I said to her, you know, you had emailed, at the time when you emailed me, mm. I was really busy at what I was doing and I didn't get back to you straight away. Yeah. And within an hour, you emailed me again, asking me, right. And then I sent you my rate and then you ignored me. <laughs> so that's actually really bad I've, practice. I found working with larger music labels, mm, it's a bit like that. Yeah. Their budgets are so shit. They are, they're bad. But also, but then just say, just be like, you know what? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, we just we just can't afford that. Yeah. And you just go, okay. But don't just then disappear into the ether because you know what? That it's was my rude. time. It's rude. It's really rude. That was my time. Yeah. But then the next time she emails you, you'll be like, oh, well, you know, next time they just contact you. I it, probably wouldn't do any work for them because you're not serious. Yeah. Really, you don't have the decency to finish a conversation, <laughs> like, right? Exactly that. It's a small thing, I'm, but I'm it's dis- actually right. I'm also dispendable mm. to you, yeah. And as far as you're concerned, you like what I do, but you don't like it enough mm. to even, like you said, end the conversation with me, regardless of whether you can afford me or not. It's about finishing the conversation and then saying, you know, or, you know, maybe not this one, but next mm. time. Now yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah. Now we know your rate. And next time she emails you, the, the person emails you, you'll be like. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then things let's, like that have let's happened. Discuss and, right. And things yeah. like that have happened for sure. And, you know, some people have really surprised me. It's been like a year later and they're like, hey, Lou, you know, we've now got a decent budget. And, you know, would you be interested? Because like, they have that basic level of just humanism right. between you. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm up you for know, it. Because I'm like, you, yeah. we, you've approached me on a, a nice level. A hundred percent. You're not treating me like some sort of utility. literally Literally utility and i and i do really really appreciate that so Mm. um so yeah so how do you make the jump from doing the photography to the videography is it just a natural kind of thing or was it you just kind of so, know, you, you said you were doing did you say you're doing some shooting back in like the television yeah, so basically days? yeah i i obviously i bought my um my a7s, a7S yeah. and i had just like was just learning bits and people asked me to film and shoot certain things okay. so i was so just, just naturally kind of grew naturally grew and i thought yeah. actually when i left television because i was really pissed off that i wasn't directing mm-hmm. that that's actually what i was going to be doing and I thought, oh, you know, I, I would be filming more things. I was pissed off I wasn't, you know, self-shooting and self-shooting director and all that stuff. And so, mm. you know, I thought I'd be doing much more of that. But then it turned out I was actually doing much more photography um, with bits and bobs of filming things and stuff. And I was really enjoying filming things. And then, um, but photography was really kind of popping off and I was really loving it. Mm really loving like seeing my images up in certain places yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that and it was just such a nice feeling and 
In a way, though, that it felt actually quite difficult to then measure success because I was like, oh, this photo, <laughs> my photo is like up somewhere or it's yeah. part of this campaign or whatever. Like, So you, where, um, where were you seeing your photos then? So um, think about so festival websites, um, press shots for artists as well. So, yeah, so you've got those like kind of tangible results. Tangible you're things. loving it. On record covers and yeah, things, you sick. know. And it was really like, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. magazines and things. And it was like, it was cool. For me, it felt cool. And I was... Because it just I like had, validates you, doesn't it? Fact, it? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't really have much expectations when I went into it. It wasn't like, oh, I need to have my photos in these places. No. So when, they, when it was happening, it was like these like, oh, these are just little, these are lovely Bonus. little wins. Yeah. yeah. Bonuses. Um, and so I found it slightly difficult to then actually have these kind of goals and stuff and I felt myself just like floating around in you know this industry and and, and meeting other photographers who were really killing it and doing you know fashion stuff as well as loads of other stuff and I was like I don't know how you sustain how do you pay your rent doing this because I I don't really know like I'm not you know I'm doing cool stuff I'm not really getting paid it's music yeah, as well you yeah, know? Yeah. um and and I just I just didn't know how to I didn't, I didn't necessarily see myself as a business. So, you know, I, I mean, I had a part-time job in phonics, which is really cool, but also like <laughs> working till like 5 a.m. Is, is tough, I'm not gonna lie. Really? <laughs> you know, it's tough, but it was cool. It's all the music that I love. So I, you know, I like literally clean up on tips because I just, I always, I was just standing behind the bar dancing. <laughs> I was like, you're great, you're yeah, hot. Yeah, I'll pay 10 pounds for a beer, you can take that. <laughs> I was getting paid more than my wage just for nice. going and doing must, my job. That must have been mad working there. That yeah. Was, yeah. It was quite fun. Yeah, it was great though. It was great. And everyone worked there was fun and stuff. Yeah. But, I, you know, I I then... But was there a point where you were kind of like, how do I take this further? What's the plan? Yeah, yeah. there was quite a lot of that. And I kept, but I kept feeling like, oh, I should have a part-time job, you know? I should have a part-time job. It will just help me out a little bit. It will help me um, pay some of my bills, help me be able to just do certain things as well. Mm. Um, and it's still roughly within the realm of, you know, what I do and stuff. And a couple of times I do a couple of shoots there and that. And then then, for, and then I think, then I left because I was like, oh, I just, actually, I can't. Just the night shifts and stuff is just actually getting to me. It's a bit too much another part-time job somewhere else i'm doing that for a little while and during that time i got um a campaign with adidas originals which was great i had a great time doing that um but that was like my first time like managing my own proper photo shoot yeah this was a real operation it was a nervous. big deal do you know i didn't I didn't, I was I guess you no, back no. yourself, don't you? Like, right. you know you have the skills, yeah. you know your equipment. But it also, what, yeah. because it wasn't until I got to set, I was like, oh shit. Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> There's like hundreds of people here, you know? It's like, this is, this isn't me just rocking up and doing, you know, I had, my, I had an assistant with me, with my friend or whatever, but, and the space I did it in was a space that, you know, that like friends and family, like they, you know, it's like Total Refreshment Centre and those guys are like, and my family and stuff so it wasn't like it was it wasn't otherworldly until I like walked into the space and then saw the way that they had like changed it completely yeah. for what I wanted 
And I was like, oh, okay. And everyone was like, what do you want? Like, because yeah, we were like, basically like we've got, and my producer was like, I've got everything here for you. Every type of thing here for you that you might want because you're doing this and uh, and that, you know, right down to, I've got a million different dietary requirements and stuff. And so <laughs> right down to millions of different options that she had for me for food and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really big. But the next day I was going back to my part-time job. Yeah, yeah. And that, and then that ended for one reason or another and stuff. And then I just thought, oh, you know what? Every time I try and take a part-time job or earn a bit of extra cash on the side the universe just kicks me right back off that <laughs> path and straight back into this it's kind of giving you a sign right so actually why don't i just focus on this properly all my attention and then actually i could have i could sustain my life through it yeah but i it needs to have all my attention and i need to take it seriously so I started doing that and I was doing lots more filming and DOPing work and I was really enjoying it, really loving it. Ha- learning the hard way about invoicing and how difficult mm. sometimes it can be not getting paid. Oh yes. That is a real tough one. I've mm. been through some dark times. <laughs> <laughs> dark times with that. And you know, even up until last year, I was going through some real terrible stuff with it or is it I'm just what people I mean, just trying to delay you yeah I'm, i mean i'm still owed a really big invoice from someone's over a year and a bit and she's still trying to deflect <coughs> you know um but what has been what i have learned from all of that is just expect to almost like not get paid so don't wait for you know you're pushing it but what i was doing okay, was yeah. being like oh okay well i can pay this month's whatever on don't this allocate da, da, da. the money that you don't, don't have yeah i still do that sometimes right. and it's dangerous yeah, though but, yeah, because, yeah, no, but at the same time you you're do buying things yourself for next month right. and it's like nah, man, no man this is this no. not how it works. what is the money that's actually in yeah. your bank account yeah <laughs> <laughs> It sounds simple, but it's like... But it's not no, because you've done not. all this work. Yeah. And you've sent out all these invoices. You're working your ass off. You want to exactly. enjoy yourself. So you think then you have to I've done the XYZ, so I deserve this, but you kind of... Not even just deserve. You, How about I can just pay my rent? I can pay my bills. I can pay yeah, this. You know, I can yeah. just do the normal things, <laughs> actually, before I even do the enjoyable things. Mm. But then there are these gatekeepers who just hold your money. Mate. <laughs> and you don't realise how deep people want to make it yeah sometimes because you just think it's just it's actually well i do a job i get paid yeah end of story we have 30 days 60 days whatever mm. i get paid but no what so, kind of excuses have been thrown at you i mean you know first some of where i've just been ignored others where they've said oh well you know we didn't get sponsorship and you're like sorry what this is a sponsorship thing hold up somewhere they've just they've they've just said oh yes you'll be coming next week next week and then next week and then next week do and you sign contracts with these people? yes so even one of them might two of them first have signed contracts hasn't made a difference but if there's mm. and when you want to you don't want to get like lawyers involved right that's, that's the thing, just because more money that's just another whole other racket money. yeah exactly so actually what i've why i came to realize i've come to realize while contracts are good they're good for obviously a paper trail and everything it it's unless you've got the money to put up first and foremost mm. for you know kind of going through um, small court. claims yeah, and small civil claims, court and all yeah. that stuff you know and it's actually a lot of paperwork bucks as well it's money you've got to have that first lot of cash to put up for the claim in the first place which it's you'll get cash, back cash, based, cash, cash. but it is cash cash you'll cash. get it back eventually hopefully but, if, but yeah 
it's uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's kind of messed up the way things work. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we get it sometimes here as well. I mean, luckily, you know, we're a fairly big company, so mm. we're very rarely relying on, you know, single invoices. But yeah. some of our larger clients, where we're invoicing for a job <coughs> that's taken us two or three months, and they've taken us nine months. They've wow. taken nine months to pay us. And it's like, that is actually quite a big chunk of money. Yeah, that is. That's a lot. And if we get a couple of quiet weeks, oh, look, August is, you know, pretty quiet. We're not making as much money as we thought. And it's just... It it puts everyone in this really anxious state that's really unnecessary. Mm. And you're like, all you have to do is pay us. And it's usually always like the big companies. It's always the big companies that take the longest. Yeah. They take the longest. Why why are you guys doing this? Like, Why? why can't you just do business well? Right. You just rely on your reputation... And if you really piss someone off, there's another 15 people behind them that are willing to do mm. the job and then you'll fuck them around and yeah. it's just a vicious circle. It's awful. But well, like that, you can't have that practice from the beginning of your business because your business will fail. So right. it's kind of been developed over the years and now it's just become kind of part. I've learned as well. I think it's a lot of times of companies moving money mm. in this way where you know, they, they're they moving it from one bit to another to pay for this project and then they hope that project will come through and then they'll pay. It's this awful... Sh- it's a really shifting vicious, it around. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really dangerous thing. And actually, one of the projects I'm working on has been signed off, actually. They, you know, it's been signed off and, and kind of greenlit, but they're waiting for their client to fully sign off the budget and send mm. them a PO. And they're like, look, we, we refuse to go ahead with this until they submit their purchase order number okay because otherwise we will be then in the position where we're having to pay we're, we're the ones left yeah, yeah. and i really respect With that because there are so many companies i've worked for before mm. who will just get it going and then be like oh the client the client hasn't paid or da, da, da. Uh, whereas they're okay. saying look until we like obviously they know this client has the money because they're a really big client yeah. but they're like until it hits the bank account we're just not doing it that's the better way to do it right yeah they're just they're taking they're like if we have to take the l on it, we'll take the l on it but as, the, as an industry i think we need <laughs> to be tougher on agencies and stuff mm-hmm. and clients and brands and just because yeah until they've got the finished products in front of them they're like we don't need to pay for it right but, mate like from you calling us and giving us the green light it's costing us money it's costing money it's costing money yeah you know i can't and, wait four months for you right. guys to pay us no and also individuals can't you know like i've i've again like with the projects that i've doing that's been greenlit mm. so far i've been putting you know i've done all the work i've done for them so far but i haven't received a penny no and so you know i will but this the <laughs> this, you know you've got that period of like it's a weird one yeah do you ever ask for money up front it's like do. a deposit yeah i do so i always ask for a deposit that's good i do, do how much do you do like 50 percent? i do 50 percent. if it's a really quick turnaround though yeah and let's say you need me shoot you need me you need it you in call like me today time, yeah. if you call me today and you want me on set tomorrow i need 75 percent of that really yeah that makes sense it's the day after so quick and you're changing your plans you're cha- I've changed it I've had to drop yeah. everything and because it's so last minute there's a possibility that they'll just can it they'll can right yeah. and also if I have to go get kit if I have to hire other people which happens a lot you'll I be left to- holding the fucking right yeah. and all that time that I've spent though yeah hiring other people <clears throat> going to get kit, booking kit collecting pre-production. kit the pre-production the pre-production yeah I still need to get paid for that of course so 
cough and they're like oh well we don't you know our accounts uh, what are your accounts you can do fax transfer like <laughs> yeah. I, I do a bank transfer really easily you know exactly. you just log on with your online <laughs> bank details and off you just put in the numbers yeah, and off you go download like, the app mate yeah super easy it's really straightforward super it's, tw- straight it's 2020 mate <laughs> right <laughs> you don't need to there, wire it mate there is no excuse there isn't so ping if over it, that cash if you got the money or you don't if you're trying to front it or yeah, actually going to pay me. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Right. It really, really is. Mm. So, um, yeah. So with, um, you, so you've been doing, where do we get to? You quit your part-time job. Yeah, so quit the part-time job. You're focusing full-time Focus full-time now. And I made the decision that actually, you know what, I really want to do direct, I want to do, I want to do more directing gigs. Yeah. Uh, yeah and so, you know, I was really like, I love the photo- all the photography projects I'm doing. And there was a lot that was kind of happening as well my break my rates were going up as well but I was also like you know I'm starting to feel slightly unfulfilled and it's because I have I want to take on more like direct I was filming things but I wasn't directing projects mm-hmm. and so like really from start to finish and treatments and things so I really you wanted, wanted it to, to do that be yours I wanted like, it to be mine yeah. yeah I didn't want to be brought in yeah to make it happen for someone I wanted it to be mine um and then, uh, you know, it's one of those things, again, you put it out to the universe and you're going to just kind of like throws it on your plate. I had a call from an old colleague and he was like, yo, I've got this uh, this, this shoot with, with uh, Nick Knight and, and Equinox and Ke- and Sierra and stuff. And I was oh, like, nice. sweet. <laughs> he was like, I think it'd be really great. So I was like, great. So um, I... Yeah, whip that together, and that was that was tough for various different reasons. It was, I mean, that was a real quick turnaround. That was he called me Saturday afternoon, and the shoot was Monday morning at seven a.m. Oh. And I had to hire a crew, do a treatment. Oh, mate, that just literally gives me anxiety. Right? Hearing that, <laughs> I've had so many of those in the right? past. You were like, just like, oh. and I was literally, <laughs> and, and I was in my car driving at when I got the phone calls. It wasn't like I was just chilling at home so I could just jump straight on it. Yeah. I was like, well. I'm kind of just not, down. <laughs> not at home. No. Like, I'm not even close to home either. Like, <laughs> so, like, when do you need this treatment by? He was like, well, kind of need it today. Like, you know, it needs to get signed off tonight. I was like, what? what? How does it even happen? It happened. Like, Boy, listen, it happened. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I whipped up a crew. Got the kit. Fat Llama is a dream. Yes, Fat Llama. Um, they even sent me. They sent me half the budget, which I was really happy about. So it helped to kick things off. Yeah. Then yeah. during that time, because well, I was also producing it, so during that time of sourcing everything out, on the members on the Sunday now, and I'm literally pulling my hair out. I haven't slept. My charger for my laptop breaks. <laughs> stopped working and it's a Sunday this is when they just keep yeah just piling it on man yeah. and I was like oh, oh, oh my god this is on Sunday you said it's Sunday and I was like, <coughs> you still try and sort shit out and I was like what you it was like 4.30 and I looked at the time I looked at I looked at I literally googled what time is Westfield close Westfield Stratford and I was like I called my cousin and my cousin like he's like computer tech geek whatever and uh, I called him and I was like, oh, explain what happened. I was like, oh, my laptop is broken. Do you have a charger? He was like, yeah, I do. But I'm at Granny's. I'm not at my house. Where's your grandma live? My grandma lives in like Manor Park and he lives in like Vauxhall. <sighs> so my grandma basically lives in Essex and he lives in <laughs> Southwest London. And it's fourth. And he was like, 
I was like, ah, oh. he was like, I'm just about to eat dinner, baby. I'm so sorry. I was like, and then my mum was like, we're going to Westfield. I'll come, coming with you. Yeah. I literally, I sped, I jumped in my car and I got there <laughs> and they closed the door. And I was, I was like, no. I got there like literally like two minutes to five. And I was like banging on this door and he was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I was like, <laughs> and he and like he was just pecked with his goals, like screaming and crying. He was just like, I just opened the door. He was like, I'll speak to my manager. Like, he was like, I just need a charger, please. Yeah, because they can, they can give it to you and then like run it through the next day. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And because there were still people in there yeah. as well, but they just, oh. you know, they did that thing when they closed and oh, they let any right. right. Yeah, yeah. Lay so, it on thick. They're yeah. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I was like, I hadn't slept my hair. You were was legit wild. laying it on Yeah. He was like, just give this girl whatever slept, she wants. My hair was wild. Let's charge her. Just give me the charger. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> He was just like, let's just get, she's obviously having a crisis right now. Let's just get her what she needs. Good. And right. then on, yeah, it, it was it was fine. So and you went home and you sorted all your stuff out. Sorted my stuff out and stuff and then got all the props and everything. And oh, then, but then on the day, I mean, you know, everything that, I wouldn't say could go wrong, but basically like, so I, you know, I spent the whole weekend doing this treatment. The client signs it off. Foot to the floor. For like right. two and a half days. Yeah, the the, the artist, you know, see every, her team sign it off. We're happy to do all this stuff. Then on the day, I come in, and you know, I I have to be there. It's like like eight a.m. and I'm coming mm. from like you know the other side of the North Circular in, in deep deep East London as well, like deep. real deep near Barking, yeah, deep East London. Deep. And I'm going to Acton. Oh, right. deep east to deep yes. west <laughs> okay and um and then i get there and and then like you know my guy who's like the go-between between me and the client he's like babe i'm really sorry but okay so they've now want to change this i'm like it's fine it's fine okay cool we'll just i'll just redo it it's fine mm. this, is what, this is how we can do that part of the the shoot we can re- redo it sweet cool then an hour later oh they actually want to change this i was like cool it's fine and basically, this now keeps going on. Mm. This shoot, which should have been six hours, turns into a 13-hour oh. shoot. What were they changing? Everything. Is it adding bits? Every, and, and, and taking away, taking away. Well, we don't want to do this anymore. We don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, well, they're taking away so much. Like, what am I actually delivering to the client? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... A brand new laptop charger. <laughs> <laughs> and a hell of a fuckload of props. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so like, you know, um, and just having to constantly change and change and change and also like, I learned very much about adapting very quickly in that scenario. Um, but that, it was great. That was really good. And I, I you know, I kind of did it, managed it and they really loved the, the final mm-hmm. video and everyone was really happy and I was great. But then I got very sick. So I had, that whole year, 2018, I had been in and out of hospital. I was still working loads, mm. but I was. What was kind of going on in my my personal life was actually quite, uh, quite intense. Mm. So, I at the start of the year, I felt like something wasn't quite right with me. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I knew something wasn't right. I was falling asleep in the middle of the day. I didn't know what was happening, and I'd go to the doctors. 
it was just like, oh, you know, they'd kind of fob me off with. Get some exercise. Yeah. All Eat that some more fruit. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, I'm actually pretty good on all that stuff. So it's, this is, and I know my body really well. Something isn't right. Um, quite a long story short, after multiple, multiple tests, going private, going back onto the NHS, wow. being flitted between here and everywhere, I um, then get diagnosed at the end of 2018 um as having a very, very, very rare autoimmune type condition called sarcoidosis, which mostly affects people in their lungs. And I had it in my liver. It took them a whole year to figure it out because it looks like so many other Just things. So rare. So yeah. rare. I mean, I, went, I, had, I had a biopsy. They took a bit of my liver out. I've still got the scar right there. Like, you know, I was like, it was, it was harsh. A lot to deal with, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot going on. Mm. I was going through a breakup at times. So like, it was a lot of life shit yeah. happening. But then also having to like make my own money. It was tough. It was tough. And be creative. And be, and be a presence that's like be a presence. people want to and ins- an inspiring presence. And in, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like sell yourself and, and all of that. And that was tough. And I, I, you know, I just had to take some time, take a step back. Luckily, I had a bit of savings and stuff that kind of just helped me out. Mm-hmm. You know, over that. Did you time. move home again? Yeah, well, I was still yeah. at home at this point now because oh, okay. I never had actually moved back. I never well, that's moved probably out. good then. You yeah, and because that's the, that year I was really like, oh, I'm going to move out, I'm going to move out. But then all these things with me being in that hospital was really like, uh, I don't really know how this is even going to happen. Yeah. So um, then, you know, that happened. And then I, I um, was talking to a friend about, look, you know, I really want to do much more directing stuff, I think. And I, but I think I do want something st- stable. Um, and so I'm not going to say the company, but she, she said, oh, you know, you know, I've got my friend so-and-so, she works at this company and it, they're, they're looking for people. And I was like, I know, but you know, our mutual friend had always been trying to get me to go to this company. I was Mm. like, they just don't look like they really know what they're doing. I'm going to be honest. Like they do good stuff, but I don't think they know what they're doing. She was like, just give them a, just give them a go. Yeah. Had a chat with them, met them, was like, oh, actually this is quite cool and stuff. And Quite long so short, I got a job there. Nice. Full time directing. I'm not a full time kind of person, but you, you must know have been what? Pretty gassed, though. Yeah, I happy. was right. I was like, you know what? I've been through a lot over yeah. this last year, and actually, I just need a bit of stability. And having a full time directing position. Full time position is directing. It's salary. exactly what I'm going to do. Salary. Yeah. Um, I like what they make. This is great. Got there. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> So your initial intuition was right. It was right. It was really? Never. I, I never, like, never ignore your gut. Like, yeah. always. <laughs> that's my one piece of advice, people. What made them just, what I was mean, going on? Everything. It's a circus. A, a, like, a circus would have been more organised. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's how deep it was. Okay. You, you that's just, how deep it was. It's just like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like, this is... This is a madness. And you get swept up in that madness. And you. What kind of content were they producing? You know, it was a lot of online stuff. It was cool stuff, online fashion. And it was youth led. It was young. It was cool. They were working with really great brands. But it was just, they struggled in. in But they struggled in management. They struggled, you know, they were young, a very, very young um, company. You you didn't have that one kind of senior person to kind of. No, the senior person was also, she was incredibly insecure. She was a bit of a. She was terrible at her job. She was a 
bit of a masochist, maybe? How, how do these people end up in these I positions? Don't, I don't know. It's just know. so odd. I've I often thought that. I've met a few people and I'm like, how the fuck did you get here? Did you win a competition? No, like, but honestly, yeah. It, it's like that. Yeah. It's And you just, I mean, she's like, she was literally, she had like no emotion. She's like an ice mm. queen. And, ice um, queen. Ice queen. Pick like a really shit Wednesday Adams. <laughs> that was my first thing when I first saw Shit her. Wednesday <laughs> I was like, that was literally how I was like, you know, it was terrible right. Wednesday Adams. That was that brilliant. Was but I was like, you know what? No, let's give this person a chance. And she seems like she's got a nice side. And to be honest, at the beginning, I was like, no, okay. I, I feel like I can see that she you are a bit nasty, of a nasty, but she was a bit incompetent and a bit. And, and actually, yeah, but actually she is just... Just she's everything nasty. you don't want in a boss. Everything you don't want in the boss. Someone who is um, not understanding, mm. someone who has no people skills, someone who has no real emotion towards people, or empathy, anyway, there's so that. So this wasn't like some sort of like alien in a human costume. That's also a possibility, yeah. I'm not going to lie. She might be in a giant lizard. Yeah, that's a potential. Yeah. Like, definitely a potential. Like, she was the kind of person who would, you know, at kind of 5.30 go... Oh, actually, can you um, come up with a whole new format for us, please? And we need it by the by tomorrow morning, 9am. And so then you stay there till 10 o'clock, going over, me and another director going over this stuff. And then, and then at 8.30, Sean Mesh would be like, cool, so we're having this meeting then, right, at 9am, you know, at 9am. So I'll be in the office in, in half an hour, yeah. make sure it's all ready. It's all ready. And then you'd be like, oh, so we can't have this No, actually, I've got another meeting to go to. And then, and then the whole day would go by and she didn't, no, nothing. It was just it was like a power trip. It was a constant oh, power trip. Man. And when you caught when you caught on to that, you were like And she ran the business. She didn't run it, but she but, was so under was it, it wasn't her business. It, was, it wasn't hers, but she was the <coughs> the people who did run it, mm. they for whatever she had their ear for whatever reason mm. and no one could understand why. Um That's funny enough strange. though, that is lots have come out about that business since the whole BLM movement. So really? that's been really interesting. I'll tell you about who they are off, off air. Off air. Yeah, <laughs> off nice air. One. No, um, you've done very well not yeah. mentioning any names yeah. actually. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I was going through a really tough time with my med, on my meds and uh, for the condition I had and stuff. And they basically, in a nutshell, they fired me for... For, for my health for health reasons really yeah which is actually highly illegal <laughs> yeah um and i was just so like i mean distraught in life anyway with everything that was going on um i just you know you just don't because the way also the way it kind of happened it must have been very overwhelming it was really overwhelming yeah. it was very overwhelming. how long were you there Three months. Really? Yeah. So it was, so it was, it was just really like a bit of a turbulent. Very, tur- very. Yeah. That's the way it was a complete whirlwind, a complete turbulent. But also what I did learn though, is how to not run a company. Mm. And that was actually really valuable to it's, me because what yeah. I did start to realise is that I started to see myself as a company. Mm. I started to see myself as a business. It's sort of like a, being exposed to improper like management and just things being done the wrong way is actually kind of valuable in itself also definitely and i learned a lot and actually after that time i took some time out went to go visit some friends in germany had a beautiful time out there Mm -hmm. in the german countryside and then came back to london and it was literally it's been go 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 since then okay nice. right because i just i was very focused i was very like this year is all about directing come hell rain or shine 
this year is about directing. Fully applied everyone, yourself, yeah. yeah. Everyone knows I'm a photographer, but a lot of people don't know that I'm a director. Mm -hmm. So I just threw myself into work, threw myself into treatment, threw myself into things, and it all started paying off. Difficult times because of invoicing and things like that, but the projects I did do, you know, I did really, really brilliantly, and I got really great feedback. Clients came back to me, um, and they have really set me up for, especially towards the end of the year when I worked on WeTransfer mm -hmm. films, and you know, I the way I pitched on that to me just felt really natural because it was about it was exploring black women but this is the thing like having watched the films and then met you yeah and had this conversation <laughs> it's like the perfect storm for you yeah it's like it's just all these like topics you feel passionately about they're all just and you just use the medium that f appeals most to you yeah and it's just the most natural kind of series of films I've watched in a long time. Oh, wow. Actually. Thank you. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah, that means so it. much. That's really, thank you so much. Yeah. that. Talk to me about that project then. Like, so, so, was it all in the UK or did no, you, you do some in the US? US yeah, yeah, New York, York, right? Yeah. How New was York. that? That was great. So, I worked with an incredible producer, Alice Lewis. My girl, Alice. Shout yeah. out, Alice. Love her. <laughs> um, who now are good friends. Um, yeah. So, that was yeah i had a really great support on that project and just you know like look we love your treatment the client loves your treatment we want to make this happen okay what Perfect. do you need uh, bear in mind that you know a lot of things but we don't have the budget da, da, da. but like okay cool we don't have the budget okay let's let's this is how we can try you know within the budget we do have mm -hmm. this is how we can make this yep. work and make this happen and everyone was just on board mm. with that with the concept with the concept the with the idea vibe, yeah. right and that's the thing i think when you can get when people are behind an idea what you can create is incredible yeah it really everyone's is pulling in the same direction everyone is yeah and it was a really brilliant project because it felt I, that was my first long term like you know i done various other directing projects but they're all quite quick and quite yeah. short a couple of days shooting yeah, yeah. you know and this was my first long-term one and that I was able to really be hands-on right from the you know inception right right through to the end of it and you know it, when they went up they, they we, we finished the edit sent them across and a couple of days later they went up like it was that quick really yeah it was that quick oh man that's great so I loved it but that's just a sign of how like on a level everyone is like straight right like, everyone yeah. everyone was rooting for the project it's, it's so is, like it's kind of disheartening sometimes you spend however many months doing your like, like shooting and editing and you're in post <sighs> and then you kind of you get this you, you do 80 percent of the post work uh and then there's this last kind of finalizing bit and then publication eventually but when there's this huge gap and there's like these final changes that kind of go against what Everything. the original it, it, really it takes all the kind of momentum off it in your because I don't know about you the public hasn't seen it yet but it right. takes the momentum off exactly and the, yeah I don't know about you but did you ever feel a bit not that it kind of takes a bit of your confidence away but it kind of there's a disheartening you know when, when, when the project takes that long yeah before it goes out you're a bit like it's oh. a bit weird because of the tight schedule and I wasn't able to be in both the mix and the grade at the same time 
mm. because they were happening at the same time. Well, sound mixing grade. Yeah. yeah. And the grade was happening in Brighton. The mix was in London. Oh, okay. So obviously... <laughs> you got two laptops on the Zoom. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And I was in the middle of going to this, doing a talk at Sky uh. as well, while the grade was sending me no. cuts and stuff. And I was having to look at it on my phone while I'm on that really long Piccadilly line train to Austerley. Oh, mate, <laughs> I You know that, you know that journey. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, every time I went out in Central when I was a kid, I used yeah. to ride that back to Hounslow. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the longest <gasps> so thing. So long. Yeah. So I, because of that, when it eventually did go up, you know, I love those films. I, you know, there's this, there was that little thing of like, probably would have just swapped a few, changed a little bit about the grade for the London So film. in that case, they put it so, up a bit too fast. So yeah, and bit. actually it took me... But so what, they were, they were kind of drafts in your own eyes or... No, it wasn't drafts. It was like, it took me a minute to love them again because I, you know, I worked so hard mm. on them. I, you know, going to another country to shoot, which I've done before, it, it's, it's hard mm. because it sounds glamorous. Oh, it's New York to shoot. Yeah, but you, you're dealing with a different time zone. You're dealing with a different and time zone, back, different infrastructure. Right. It's, it's the little things. That, little things, yeah. you know, uh, to deal with, you know, phone calls and all of that stuff. And when you're transport. operating... Transport. Transport. Yeah. And, um, and then coming back, you know, you don't get time to sort your jet lag out. Mm. You've got to be back on no. UK time straight away. So, <laughs> no, jet lag. Sorry, what? <laughs> Who cares? Jet lag's not going to pay your rent. Right. <laughs> also, the films need to go out. So that's yeah. that. And so it's, it then was like, I need, you know, I just needed a bit of space from them. Um, and a couple of weeks later, though, I went to LA, I had a, break and I was just chilling with some friends in LA and stuff and um and then uh the we transfer team has said to me look you know you're going Lou, you're going to LA why don't you meet our LA team while you're there nice. I was like sure while I was there the CEO of, of we transfer happened to be there also so mm. they set up this dinner for all of us and stuff nice and then when I came he came up to me and shook my hand and was like they were the best things we've ever done. Really? I was like... Oh, mate, you must be a bit emotional. I was literally like, yeah. what? <laughs> he was like, no, honestly, at that point, after having space and rest and time as well, also because your mind needs to rest when you work intensely on any project. Decompress. Decompress. It's so important. Mm. Oh my gosh, I cannot stress how important it is because then you fall in love with the project again. After yeah, after decompressing and taking some space away from them, mm. I had like a real big love for them and seeing the way that the reactions of people, you know, just all over was just, it was really beautiful. Um, and, and even up until now, actually, where I still get messages from certain people being like, oh, I've actually only just watched those we transfer films and like they're incredible mm. I, I just feel so so good and so warm oh, and mate. it must be a good feeling it really is that. because you know like i said in the treatment you know i i wrote that i wanted people to be inspired and for you know little black girls to to be inspired especially and then having that kind of reaction where it actually happens you're like Oh, you know, I, I did the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of feeds into what we were speaking about earlier as well. You kind of wanting to um, play a bigger part in terms of um, the current movement with uh, yeah. BLM and stuff. Yeah. But then actually realizing, because this, 
because you shot all this before all this yeah this was in october kind of uh the you know the, the refreshing of the movement yeah. that happened so like i it mean in terms of timing it must have been quite surreal because you're like i've been you know exploring and, and meeting all these people and drawing attention to this um you know and it's uh you know using people of color as a kind of vehicle to raise awareness to all this stuff and you know women especially as well yeah and it was surreal because i think i hadn't realized that i was even doing it yeah. you know like i was saying before and you know i actually won the project again I, i'm also terrible at posting my work <laughs> really bad at that. <laughs> um you know i actually did a photography um so i did stock images for a company um and they were of um you know desi which is south asian um people um you know just doing everyday things i mean we never actually see south asian people doing yoga do we mm. we never see those images if you no. typed in yoga mm. into google images you see loads of blonde white women yeah 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 <laughs> which is ridiculous <laughs> so ridiculous <laughs> so, so they commissioned me to do photos of just you know yeah so we had an asian family just having breakfast and watching tv and mm. um going for a run doing yoga just stock images you know in the office at the workplace and stuff and they were really like you know thank you so much and again i think sometimes with this industry you you go at 100 miles an hour and you work so much that you actually don't get a, a minute to stop and look at the things that you're doing and or have done and when the movement, you know, you know, kind of kicked off again, it, it, and, and actually I was getting tagged in quite a lot of things and, and they were tagging me and things and stuff like that. And when people were like, well, where are these stock images? Why don't we have stock images of POCs and stuff? And then I was getting tagged in certain things. And I was like, oh, Lou Jasmine took these pictures, mm. you know? And I was like, oh yes, actually I did take them. I did, <laughs> I did take those pictures, <laughs> you know? I have been contributing to this for, for actually for, for, for a long, long time. You know, even when I was working in TV and even though I was met with with resistance, you know, I was still trying to cast people of color as much as I could. And, and not in that way where they just, oh, well, you know, we need someone to fit the bill or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was like, no, these are real 3D rounded people with, you know, stories and stuff. And, you know, I was able to work on, I, luckily, you know, I'm really happy about this, this documentary that I did work on um, about the Windrush era. And I was able to have even my grandparents in the, the the flyers and the photos are in the main bit of the titles as well. Oh, and so always trying to put my heritage and my experience in what I do. And, and but now being able to, I'm completely and utterly in control of that. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, it's, it is a wonderful, really, really wonderful. And, and I'm not going to lie, overwhelming experience <laughs> at times, you know. Um, when I when I'm on you know especially now as we are in these Zoom meetings and stuff yeah. with people when they're commissioning me to do certain projects and stuff and they're kind of coming to me about it and stuff a couple of times you know I've got off these calls and I've had to call my best friend and be like oh yeah. you know and he was like step into your bad bitch CEO life you know who you are come on and and that and it is it is something to be recognized for your art as well. And and especially because for me, I, as a, another friend of mine, you know, he, he sent me a message again when everything was kicking off on WhatsApp and he was like, we all see you, you know, mm -hmm. doing the thing. And we see you creating this new table. 
Like you're no, you're not asking for a seat at the table. You're yeah. actually, you're just building, building your, own. your own table. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, can you see that? Is that a thing? Can you see that? And he was like, yes. <laughs> he was like, I'm, I'm a gay white guy and I can see that. Like, <laughs> you know, like, but sometimes you need that outside observation to kind of let you know what's, like, yeah. what, what, how you're perceived. For sure. Yeah. Cause your head is so in it. Yeah. You're so down and you're just yeah, go, yeah. go, 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 mm. that it is it is nice and it is overwhelming but it's it's in the fact that it's overwhelming means has meant to me that i need to take breaks in between these things and go okay how do we feel about that thing what does that thing just let it settle yeah literally yeah, yeah, yeah. let it settle yeah because you'll just forget about it right like in television yeah okay i was i was doing a broadcast every weekend you didn't remember what happened in the no. last one. It was all about just don't fuck up now. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would your advice be to... I'm, I'm, I don't know how to phrase it, whether your advice to young women in the industry or young people of colour in the industry or not even in the industry mm. trying to come in, what would your advice be? I'm going to say, I want to take away the word young okay. because of what we think, of what we perceive to be as young. And also, it's true, yeah. I, also, I changed my career at 30. Yeah. You know, I was in TV up until I was 29 and then okay. at 30, I was like, actually, I don't want to do this. Okay, so disregard and, the young, yeah. what would your advice be to people thinking about coming in the industry now? Is be confident in who you are as a person and what you want the world to see as your art don't ever make any compromise on that if you know your art is x y and z don't let them tell you it's x x y y right stick to x y and z right and keep going with that and people will see it and they will back you as well so just keep keep on is what I would say. Just stay true to yourself. Stay a hundred percent true to yourself. And have faith in your taste. Hundred <clears throat> percent. Have faith in your taste, but also allows for time as well. It it takes time. Mm. It takes time. You know. I, I I mean I'll be honest. I I'm happier. I'm really happy with where I'm at, and I've got to where I'm at. In some respects, as what people might say is fairly quickly. Um, you know, from working for myself and the rest of it, you know, it's not been that long. It's been about two and a half years, really. Um, um, but take take time because you'll always want more, <laughs> you know. When you get to that place, you'll be like, oh, okay, then there's another, you'll always want more. Something else you're going for, yeah. of course. And I will say as well is, this is the thing that I think is absolutely key. See yourself as a business you are a business okay do not work for free ever do not accept late invoices and late payments you are a business so start learning business it's good to learn to know you're a creative and an art an artist but this industry demands if you you are a freelancer that you understand business so understand it so you run the risk of being taken advantage of 100% and not having the best deal for yourself not having the best deal for yourself and not being where you really should be 
you know you have to start when I started really kind of looking at things as a business and go and saying okay I'm a business where do I want to be in three months in six months in a year's time whatever what is it I'm actually trying to do things really started moving quickly for me because that is what I was putting out And I was, you know, someone says to me, oh, Lou, we need this by um, today at 3 p.m. I go, well, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. So I can get it to you by Thursday. (laughs) And it'll be Monday. You know, because at the end of the day, you step into your CEO life. Because you are the marketing person, the admin person, Mm. the the, the filmmaker, the this, the that. At the end of the day, they only need it next in the next three hours because someone else is fucked up so why should you fix it right it's not your problem no they, <laughs> it's not your problem it's not your no. problem it doesn't suit your schedule or your business or your business you know so make sure that you're doing things for you don't feel if they go well we really need it at that time be like well i'm sorry it's ice mm. i'm not able. someone else yeah sorry i'm not able and half the time and all they can always wait of course no they one's will, gonna die no one is going to die <laughs> How many treatments have they been like, well, we need it by this day. And I'm like, well, I can't, you know, I start, I've literally started saying now, especially, I mean, that's only been a recent thing over the last few months where I've just started saying, well, that isn't going to work for me and I can get it to you at this time. Not one person has come back and said no. Really? No one has gone, oh, no. Is that laying on thick with the urgency? Yes, and because- it's actually the, like, mm. Because actually what they want to do is they want to review it first yeah, and yeah, then yeah. before it goes to life, which is fine. But you have to set, you have to, you know, and, and when you do set those boundaries, they actually take you more seriously. Yeah. They go, well, you actually respect you more. They respect you more. Yeah. They start seeing you as a business then because mm. that's how they would operate as a business. Of course. So really do not be afraid. Mm. To, to kind of go in with that kind of energy. Banging. Finally, Lou. Yeah. Before, uh, before we end our marathon. <laughs> um, where can people find your work? Where can people find you? Uh, is there any like social tags that you want to you wanna quickly plug? Your sure. Instagram and stuff, your website. So my Instagram is at Miss Lou Jasmine. Uh, my website is loujasmine.com. I'm pretty much Lou Jasmine on everything you'll find apart yeah so instagram is miss lou jasmine website is loujasmine.com cool well i can't wait to work with you <laughs> yes <laughs> look at that it's been so good so yeah. good it's coming it's coming yeah, it's coming nice it's one coming. thank you lou. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> take care that is all we have time for this week on the podcast guys but please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes You can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends. That's F-M-L-Y and friends, all one word, for news on our new community hub. And please also check out our main page at Family Creative. That's on Instagram or our main website, family-creative.com. We'll catch you next time.